With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at naturelogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And it is my live show tonight on Monday, July 25th, 2016. And uh, I noticed that I had a question in the chat room about asparagus since that was what I was talking about uh, before the break. And someone did say, let's see, what here? Um, I was consuming large amounts of raw asparagus due to information sent my way for a short time. And my observation was that it made my urine smell like raw sewage. I looked it up and discovered it is a common sense. And is that just part of the detoxification process? So, you know, I answered and said that asparagus contains a sulfurous compound called mercaptan, which is also found in rotten eggs, onions, and garlic. When your digestive system breaks down mercaptan, byproducts are released that cause the strange smell. And, you know, asparagus is really something good. It contains glutathione, which is a potent antioxidant, and that's well known for its detoxifying properties. And it's a good source of fiber, folate, iron, vitamins A, C, E, and K, it's a natural diuretic and a beneficial food for those with high blood pressure and other heart-related conditions, but always check with your doctor, your licensed medical practitioner, et cetera, and do the research about all these things, um, or your vet when it comes to your animals. And it contains inulin, which is a prebiotic, which helps support the beneficial bacteria in our gut. And I've read that it's also... Asparagus is also one of the foods on the list of 15 foods you don't need to buy organic, um, but I would still get the organic kind, you know, or grow it myself organically if, if I wanted to use it, you know. So, you know, it's a relatively clean, nutrient-dense, and low-carb, so it's a really good, you know, vegetable. And four ounces of asparagus is only two, 22 calories, and two grams of net carbs and two and a half grams of fiber. It's a non-starchy vegetable, and it's low on the glycemic load index, too. It will make your urine smell, probably. And according to Carolyn O'Neill on WebMD, researchers believe that during digestion, the vegetable sulfurous amino acids break down into smelly chemical components in all people. Within 15 minutes of eating asparagus, the odor can be present. So if your urine smells after consuming it, rest assured you are normal. However, scientists from the Monell Center used complex sensory testing in a study to show that about 8% of the subjects tested did not have smelly urine, while 6% could not smell the odor. One person did not produce the odor and was unable to smell it. So the center found that the inability to smell asparagus odor was linked to a genetic variation within a family of olfactory receptors. The variation in gene is apparently the reason why about one-third of people can smell the sulfurous urine while the rest of the population can't. So 
It's interesting that one of the benefits of asparagus is that it offers kidney and bladder cleansing support. And most anyone can use occasional kidney cleansing, especially those with lower back pain from a variety of conditions. But check with your doctor about all these things or your vet for your animals. And do the research, of course. So that's a little bit more about asparagus. And if you want to know, you know, pretty much the best information about all kinds of vegetables and fruit juices and their uses for healing all kinds of health problems and keeping, you know, oneself healthy. Um, there are books that I have covered on my show about these things. And I grabbed the wrong one, of course, so I'll probably grab it at the next break and let you know um, if it's here in my studio. Hopefully it is, but... Anyway, I've covered a lot about different vegetables and fruit juices and their uses, you know, in previous shows and about juicing. And so I'll give you some more information later on during my show about that. Okay. And I did tell you about bean pods, kidney bean pods on the last show. So there's a lot of really good information on my last show. If you'd like to go to our audio archives at theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com and then just look for my show in the audio archives. Just go to audio archives and click on that link and then look for New World Order Info with Melissa Roxanne and then you can download the show from last, wasn't last week, it was the week before, but I believe, yeah, I don't even remember what show was replayed, but anyway, you can go hear that in the audio archives and get the latest show that I did. And it was all about kidney and bladder, you know, problems and all kind of things and kidney bean pods and how to prepare a tea from the pods of the kidney beans that have healed many people. So it's really great information. And you can, you know, go hear the show, save it to your hard drive or whatever. If you do download the show to your hard drive, make sure and rename the show. So the date on that last show would have been, I believe, um, July 11th, 2016. So if that's the one you hear in the audio archives, that would have been my latest show because I had technical issues last week and I wasn't able to be on live. So um, I did... However, I looked up some stuff about, you know, there was things about kidney beans, pods, and different remedies that I found online. Um, this is something that's not really about kidney bean pods that I came across, but it's about French bean. Um, and it looks like green beans to me. And I know there's those French style green beans that I've seen in cans and stuff that people use. Um, so it's not really exactly a kidney bean pod, but it is a bean pod. It's just a, a green bean pod called a French bean, and it's also known as Phaseolus vulgaris. And um, I'll, I'll just read you a little bit about what it says about this. It says, um, the common bean, Phaseolus vulgaris, is one of the most important members of the 
the Bachi family of plants found worldwide. The green bean pods are cooked as a vegetable, and some varieties are stored dry, then rehydrated before cooking. Leaves are occasionally used as a salad. Bean pods are believed to be helpful in obesity and weight loss programs, as well as obesity-related diseases such as diabetes mellitus type 2 and heart disease. That's the bean pods, not the beans, but the bean pods. And we're talking green beans and French green beans, actually, the pods from those. Bean pods are also commonly believed to have antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, so when you're inflamed, you have swelling, etc. cetera, uh, antioxidant, antiparasitic, so they get rid of parasites, antiviral, so they're good for viral infections, and they're good for bacterial infections, bad bacteria, cleansing and detoxifying, diuretic, meaning it increases urination and gets rid of excess water in the body, emollient, which means they're, you know, it's moisturizing, and gas-relieving properties. Those are bean pods. So that could probably go for probably all bean pods, I would think. And so these uses have been tested in humans or animals. Safety and effectiveness have not always been proven. Some of these conditions are potentially serious and should be evaluated by a qualified healthcare pr provider. And it says currently data on the therapeutic effect of bean pod in diabetes mellitus type 2 are lacking. Limited evidence has shown that a plant mixture containing bean pod may reduce blood sugar. More research is needed before a conclusion can be made. Um, they give it a C grade for that, but, you know, that's probably coming kind of from the medical community. So, And then there is conflicting evidence regarding the effects of bean pods on obesity or weight loss. Further well-designed studies are needed. Another C grade for that. They claim C means unclear scientific evidence for this use. Um, tradition and theory. The below uses are based on tradition, scientific theories, or limited research. They often have not been thoroughly tested in humans, and safety and effectiveness have not always been proven. Some of these conditions are potentially serious and should be evaluated by a qualified healthcare provider. There may be other proposed uses that are not listed below. This is coming from a website, not from Miracle Medicine Foods, the book that I've been going over. Okay, it says acne. These are things that the the bean pods, and I'm guessing meaning the green bean, and in particular French green bean pods, the pods themselves, not the beans, but the pods that they're grown in, can be good for. Acne, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiparasitic, antiviral, burns, carminative, cleansing impurities from the body, constipation, diarrhea, diuretic, which increases urine flow, diverticulitis, which is inflamed and infected pouches in the large intestine, dropsy, which is swelling, dysentery, which causes severe diarrhea, eczema, which is a skin inflammation, heart diseases, hiccups, irritable bowel syndrome, itch, meaning itching, itchiness, kidney or bladder stones, postmenopausal osteoporosis, rheumatism, sciatica, sciatic nerve pain, and skin care. 
So that is a whole lot of stuff that, you know, have been, these have been traditionally used for the, the bean pods of the French green beans. And it says dosing adults 18 years and older. In general, the typical dose of bean pod is one cup of tea taken by mouth several times daily, prepared by simmering two and a half grams of bean pods in 150 milliliters of boiling water for 10 to 15 minutes, and then straining the liquid not to exceed 5 to 15 grams of bean pod daily. For weight loss, 3,000 alpha amylase inhibitor units, AAIU daily from phase 2 have been taken by mouth for 30 days. Phase 2, 1,500 milligrams has been taken by mouth twice daily for 8 weeks and 1,000 milligrams of fractionated white bean extract has been taken by mouth twice daily for 4 weeks. Children under 18 years old, there is no proven safe or effective dose for being part of children, so they say. That doesn't really make it so, but use caution. Do the research, check with your doctor, et cetera. So, um, and the U.S. FDA does not strictly regulate herbs and supplements. There is no guarantee of strength, purity, or safety of products, and effects may vary. Of course, you know, all the big pharma drugs, they're good to go, according to the FDA, I guess, even though they cause people to die left and right and have all kind of serious adverse reactions. Um, you should always read product labels, they say. If you have a medical condition or are taking other drugs, herbs, or supplements, you should speak with a qualified healthcare provider before starting a new therapy. Consult a healthcare provider immediately if you experience side effects. Allergies, avoid with known allergy or sensitivity to bean pod, Phaseolus vulgaris, its constituents, or members of the Babiche family. Side effects and warnings. Consumption of bean, bean pod in typical dietary amounts is likely to be safe. Bean pods may cause stomach upset, reduced nutrient absorption, and diarrhea. So that would mean, you know, if you're going to use the bean pods for any kind of healing remedy, um, when it says reduced nutrient absorption, that means don't take any kind of supplements, vitamins, minerals, etc., you know, around the time one would be using the bean pods for healing purposes. Take them apart from each other. So, and then bean pods may lower blood sugar levels. Caution is advised in patients with diabetes or hypoglycemia and in those taking drugs, herbs, or supplements that affect blood sugar. Blood glucose levels may need to be monitored by a qualified healthcare professional including a pharmacist. Medication adjustments may be necessary. Use cautiously in patients using diuretics, meaning drugs that increase urination, due to a risk of electrolyte imbalance. So it's not a good idea if one is already on, you know, prescription or over-the-counter drugs that cause, you know, frequent urination or an increase in urination, such as diuretics, um, to combine that with the bean pods that are going to do the same thing or partially that it's going to be a diuretic or any kind of, you know, herbal remedy or any other kind of remedy. You don't want to do more than one thing that's going to cause you to increase your urination and, and act as a diuretic because that can cause you 
health problems and risking having electrolyte imbalance. And use cautiously in patients using laxatives. Um, so it would not be a good idea if one was using lax laxatives to also use the kidney bean pods or the water thereof, et cetera, or any kind of bean pods for that matter, you know, because they're diuretics. Um, you're going to lose too much, you know, of your your bowel movement and then your urine doing both of those. That's not a good idea. And it could dehydrate you, et cetera, greatly. Avoid ingesting large amounts of fresh bean husks. Avoid in children or in pregnant or breastfeeding women due to a lack of safety evidence. Avoid in individuals with known allergy to bean pod, meaning phaseolus vulgaris or any other kind of bean pod, its constituents or members of the Fabache family. Avoid in children or in pregnant or breastfeeding women due to a lack of safety evidence. Bean pods may lower blood sugar levels. Caution is advised when using medications that may also lower blood sugar. I wouldn't combine. It's not ever a good idea to, to be taking a big pharma drug, pharmaceutical prescribed drug or an over-the-counter drug, and mixing that with, say, an herbal remedy or something like that. It would need to be one or the other that one chooses to do, not to combine the two. Either go the herbal remedy route, which is what I would do, or go, you know, the drug route, either over-the-counter or big pharma drug. You don't want to combine the two ever because that can cause all kinds of health problems and be dangerous. And it wouldn't work right probably either because you're doing all these different things and those drugs are bad and, you know, can kill you or cause all kind of health problems. So it probably wouldn't be, you know, as good results and also be quite dangerous to combine any kind of remedies with or herbal remedies, et cetera, with, um, you know, the, the drug remedies, so-called remedies that really aren't remedies. They're just bioweapons, I believe, and um, so I wouldn't combine the two. And we'll be back with a lot more on the other side, so stick around.
Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 that's 866-229-3663 international callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the three w's dot thepowerherbs.com shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Army could 
back to New World Order Info, and it's my live show tonight on Monday, July 25th, 2016. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to the second hour of my show tonight on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, and there's lots of other ways to listen to KU Band Satellite, although the second hour of my live show does not air on KU Band Satellite, um, because another show that is on AVR2 at the same time um, airs instead. So if you want to hear and you're listening on KU Band Satellite, you're not hearing this right now, but, you know, basically you just need to go download it in the audio archives or listen there or listen to the repeat. And one of the repeats that comes on does air Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. So, um, And somebody did come into the chat room not too long ago and asked why they're not hearing the second hour of my live show airing on KU Band Satellite. So they pointed that out, and I wasn't even aware of that until they said so. And they said they share my show with their neighbors and friends, and, you know, they were kind of disappointed, but... You know, as Frank pointed out, his his show does not air either because uh, 
another show is airing instead on KU Band Satellite. So, anyway, um, so that's that was the suggestion I gave them. You know, to listen to the repeat, or that they could go download the show in the audio archives. And I believe that they decided they were going to try to listen to the repeat that airs kind of in the middle of the night or early in the morning, depending on where you live, which would be, I think it might come on at like 3 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow morning or 6 a.m. on the East Coast. But I could be wrong about that time. Sometimes it may come on like an hour different than that. But anyway. Okay, let's see. It says here, Melissa, I'd like you. This is in the chat room, another um, something someone had to say. Melissa, I'd like you to speak to this if you don't mind. I saw a commercial on TV for Dairy Queen, and they are involved in supposedly trying to help children affected with various degenerative diseases like cancer, lymphoma, leukemia, etc. And they show these kids being pacified with ice cream and milkshakes and other items that DQ sells. And my question is why these children being they're being fed things laden with sugar and everything else that is the last thing they should be consuming. Well, it seems like, you know, they're doing it probably because it does pacify them because what kids, you know, most kids are going to love ice cream and milkshakes and things like that and sugary things, you know. And, um, yeah, sugar probably does cause cancer. So the very thing that they're suffering from, which is cancer, lymphoma, leukemia, all forms of cancer, um, sugary things are probably going to cause cancer or make it worse, you know. So it's like I think the New World Order and who knows, whoever's conspiring with them maybe the corporations like Dairy Queen and others, you know, they want to act like they're doing good for these children and they want to put a good spin on it. Like, you know, our corporation is giving them free ice cream and treats at Dairy Queen. So they make themselves look good in that manner. But at the same time, it's like the worst thing to give the children. So it's like when you go to the doctor and you're a woman um, and you they tell you, you know, you you have bone loss and or you're suffering from osteoporosis or you could uh, end up that way, then they prescribe you a pill with fluoride in it, which is the very worst thing that you could be consuming would be fluoride because it causes bone loss, you know, and causes osteoporosis and all these things. So they basically give you the worst thing they can give you you know, the the worst possible thing for you versus something that would actually help you to get well. So that's what it sounds like to me that Dairy Queen is doing. And milk, you know, is not good. Cow's milk is not good for us. I think the really only good milk would be the breast milk when you're a baby from your mother, you know. Um, that would be a good milk, of course, that we are meant to consume but not cow's milk, and, of course, if it's pasteurized, it's even going to be worse for us if it's heated and processed and pasteurized and all those things, you know, and that's going to kill off the good things in the milk, and um, then the cow's milk alone is something we probably were never meant, I believe, to consume. Um, you know, a lot of people still do consume it, but the the good thing, the kind of milk that would be good um you know, unless you're a baby and you're drinking your mother's breast milk, the 
the very next best good kind of milk to to use for any person, I believe, or an animal. Say an animal's mother died or the mother's not around or something, or an orphan animal, or you just find a, this animal that needs milk. Um, and this is coming from the so-called father of juicing. You know, and he was also very knowledgeable on all kinds of health matters. And his name is Dr. Norman W. Walker. And he said the very best milk would be raw goat's milk. That has, of course, not been processed, not been pasteurized or anything like that. So that would be a good milk for people to consume in animals and babies, etc. And they refer to it as orphan's milk. So that's something that would be the best type of milk replacement for a baby if they can't get their bre their mother's breast milk. It would be so much better for them than any kind of soy formula or any kind of, you know, formula that is available pretty much on the market. So the raw goat's milk would be the very best milk for them in that, you know, case. And it would be good for people to consume as well. Um, or animals, like I said, so or babies that for some reason they can't get the mother's breast milk. So, you know, if if that was the case, that's what I would be using instead of any kind of soy-based formula or something like that that is full of very harmful things. Um, so that would be the answer to that question. And I told y'all that I was going to give you some information about a book that is... I think the very best book out there on juicing, it's an older book. I do have it, although for some reason it's not down here on my studio. I, most of my books are not on health or anything else, but um, I thought it was down here, but apparently it isn't. But it's called Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juices, and it's a paperback, and it's by Dr. Norman W. Walker, like I just told you. Um, the one that said the raw goat's milk is the very best, you know, milk there is. So the book explains how the lack or deficiency of certain elements, such as vital organic minerals and salts, and consequently of vitamins from our customary diet, is the primary cause of nearly every sickness and disease. And following his recommendations to consume fresh vegetable and fruit juices, but mostly the vegetable juices, the fresh vegetable juices that you juice at home yourself. He, you know, says that we can furnish our bodies with the enzymes needed for optimal health. And by the way, we're only, you know, we're born with a certain number of enzymes. And when we don't replace those enzymes several times a day, you know, we use up the enzymes we were born with, and when we run out of those enzymes, it's like your bank account, if you don't ever put money in it, you know, you're going to run out of money and basically go broke. Well, that's what happens to your body when you don't replace those enzymes. So if you're eating just processed foods and cooked foods and pasteurized beverages, drinking those, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you're not really getting the enzymes you need and that that's not a good thing and it's going to cause health problems and all kinds of diseases and you know just terrible health so we all need to be consuming the enzymes and a great way to do that is with the juice juicing at home 
the raw, fresh vegetable, you know, juices that we juice at home ourselves and some fruit juices too because one, you know, builds the blood and one cleanses the body. So so that's a great book that I do have in my personal collection and it's one of my very favorite books. And again, it's by Dr. Norman W. Walker, but on the cover it's abbreviated N.W. Walker. And then it says D period SC period for Doctor of Science. And he is called the father of juicing. He is the best authority, in my opinion, and in many other people's, you know, that are really health conscious and knowledgeable in health matters. And juicing and things like that, they all agree that he just has the best information out there. And I do have other books on juicing and such, but... You know, those are good books. They have good information. But to me, he is just the authority on the whole subject matter of juicing and basically just everything about your health. So all of his books, you know, would come highly recommended. But I do not have all of his books, but I do. You know, I'd love to have them all, but I do have the Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juices, which is a, a pretty small book, a paperback book. And it is available on Amazon.com. I'm not really promoting them, but, you know, that is a place that's available. And it looks like you could get a used version of that book for a penny and then whatever the shipping and handling charges are. And then if you want to get the new version of the book, it's only $4.98 plus probably shipping. So it's very affordable on Amazon.com. And I got mine free, and you know I get books free sometimes certain ways, like maybe um, go to an estate sale or something, or go to uh, you know somebody advertising Craigslist that they have to. One time I went to kind of an estate sale, then it was over with, and the person had died, and the family lived out of state and they just needed to get rid of everything left over that didn't sell in the estate sale. So I got a lot of books that time. And then another way is we have a bookstore here that is a free bookstore. I haven't been there in a long time though. I used to go more often. Um, but you know, I donate, you know, when I go. So it wasn't really free, the books that I did get, but I did get this particular book, the Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juices, from that bookstore, which can be free, you know, if one doesn't donate. But people do turn in books there when they go to, you know, and then they can get books for free. Or you don't have to, though. You don't have to bring any books. I never have donated any books, but I have given money. So anyway, so that's another way that I have gotten free books. And I did get that great book by Dr. Norman W. Walker, and he invented this juicing machine, and it's supposed to be the very best one. It's called the Norwalk. It's like the Cadillac of juicers and presses. It's, it presses the juice out of the fruits and vegetables, and so it's like a combination juicer press, and... Um, it's stainless steel, and it's really heavy-duty. Um, you can look for it, like, on eBay and places. But um, people do get them reconditioned as well. But it's going to cost a pretty penny. It could cost, you know, like $1,500 or $2,000 or something, maybe. 
you know, at least 1,200. And that may just even be the reconditioned version, you know, because the new ones are, are more. I don't remember exactly because it's been a while since I've looked. But anyway, we do have two champion juicers. They're kind of older ones. I wouldn't get any kind of new champion juicer. I would stick to, like, the more older versions of those. And we got ours. One of them came from eBay, and another came from an estate sale auction. So that's what we use, and that's another very popular juicer. And one of those, you could probably pay around $100. Sometimes you can get a better deal on, like, eBay or something. Um, dot com for a champion juicer and they do a lot of different things so they're a really good thing to have and they would be great for one's health always check with your doctor and I would highly recommend this book fresh vegetable and fruit juices what's missing in your body and that's the original title was raw vegetable juices and the author is Dr. Norman W. Walker so anyway that's the book I wanted to tell y'all about, and I have, you know, given you a lot of information in the past on my show that came from that book. And you might be able to download it online for free. I have done that. I don't have it on this particular um, laptop that I'm on, though, so I can't really tell you. I, it took me a while to find a place to download it for free. So you might want to do the same, but it's affordable just to buy it anyway, anywhere from, you know, a penny plus shipping to five bucks or so plus shipping at Amazon.com. Or you might look elsewhere or order it from, you know, a bookstore or something like that. They could order it for you. So that's a great book. And so let's see now. Um, just trying to see. If there's any if there's any other questions in the chat room, so you know if you ever have a question, you can always go into the chat room to ask a question during this show on my show or Frank's show, I know, and some other hosts are also in the chat room during their shows. I wish all of the hosts would do that, but you know you could always call them on the air and tell them that or email them or something and ask them, hey. You know, I'd love for you to come to the AVR chat room and, you know, we could ask you questions or just talk to you or something like that. Um, some of them probably, they don't like to go in there because they get distracted and, you know, it's hard to to conduct your show while also watching the chat room and stuff like that. So that could be another reason why they're not all in there. But anyway, I know the show prior to mine um, contenders for the Faith, they do go into the chat room. So that's another show where they do participate every single time they're on the air by coming to the AVR chat room. And we do have a new chat room. So if you have registered in the past and you haven't re-registered for our new chat room, you'll have to do that. And apparently we're getting a lot of spammers. So Frank will probably have to register for you. And there's instructions on the website about that. So you basically just need to email him some information, and then he'll send you a password to the email account you provide, which has to be a real email account. And then you could change your password after that to one you prefer. 
All right, so I'm going to get back into, you know, I didn't finish reading. There was a little bit left from the website that I went to um, on the bean pods. Now, this was, this is just, I think, about general bean pods. Um, but I was telling you, you know, you don't want to mix the, the any kind of remedies, really, with prescription or over-the-counter drugs. That's not a good idea. You would need to choose to either go the drug route or go the remedy route, you know, like the home remedies or the herbal remedy or whatever it is, whatever it is. You know, you don't want to mix the two. So anyway, I'll just continue on and read a little bit more about that. Um, bean pods may lower blood sugar levels. So we're talking about interactions with drugs here. And caution is advised when using medications that may also lower blood sugar. So patients taking insulin, which can make you go blind and cause a lot of health problems, or drugs for diabetes by mouth, should be monitored closely by a qualified healthcare professional, including a pharmacist. Medication adjustments may be necessary. Okay, so that's not something good to, you know, if one is on different things like insulin or other diabetes medicine, etc., to mix that with the bean pods. I wouldn't do that. Um, and because the bean pod contains estrogen-like chemicals, the effects of other agents believed to have estrogen-like properties may be altered. So that would be, you know, hormones and things like that. Um, birth control pills and hormone replacement, which they have been shown to cause cancer anyway and strokes and heart attacks and all kind of problems. Um, so I would not be using any of those. And then bean pods may interact with antibiotics, and antibiotics also cause cancer, and they get your gut flora out of balance and all that, um, and they are not good for you either. Um, a great antibiotic would be vitamin C. The lipospheric kind is one of my personal preferences and favorites, and Frank's too, and we use it for our animals. Um, the, the Live On Labs lipospheric vitamin C, that is like the best antibiotic, but it's also antiviral, and it, and it basically works for all known toxins, and it's great for radiation, you know, to get rid of radiation, to get that out of the body, as is the organic sulfur, the MSM. That's also for radiation. And so is baking soda. And all of those are oxygen um, transporters, as is vitamin E. So those are all oxygen transporters, and they increase oxygen in the body and, you know, in the blood, and that would be a great thing. Um, but, you know... Vitamin um, C is a blood thinner, and there are a lot of other blood thinners, too. So, um, you know, that's another thing to be cautious of if, you, you know, you're on a blood thinner. So always talk to your doctor about all these things and do the research. Make sure it's okay for you to take them. And bean pods may interact with antibiotics, anti-obesity agents, anti-protozoals, antiviral agents, diuretics, which are drugs that increase urination, and drugs used for osteoporosis, estrogens, and laxatives. And bean pods may lower blood, blood sugar levels, like I said, and they may interact with 
antibacterials, anti-obesity agents, antioxidants, antiparasitics, antiviral agents, diuretics, which cause urination, increase urination, laxatives, osteoporosis agents, and phytoestrogens, which are plants with estrogen-like properties. So those are things that I would not use at the same time I was using the bean pods. And I'm trying to do something here, but anyway. Um, okay, and so those are all the things I just wanted to go over with that I had found out about bean pods. Just for you to be cautious about that. All right, and it looks like it's almost time to take a break. So we'll get back to the book, Miracle Medicine Foods, on the other side. So stick around. <laughs>
studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
tonight on Monday, July 25th, 2016, and you're still listening to me. The last part of my live show tonight on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And somebody had a question in the chat room about kids with cancer, different kinds of cancer, and how I believe they saw them on some commercial or something, saying like a commercial for Dairy Queen, um, and I guess they were providing them with ice cream and different things, you know, treats from Dairy Queen for these children. And they were saying, you know, it outrages them. Why would they give them these, you know, treats, these dairy treats and things like that when they have cancer and it's not good for their health and all that. And, um, you know, I, I talked about how it's true, you know, sugar causes cancer and when I said sugar, I didn't necessarily mean just the actual, you know, ingredient sugar. I meant anything that can turn into sugar or, you know, basically what I'm saying is it could be um, high fructose corn syrup. It can be corn syrup. It could be sugar. Um, it could be, you know, starchy foods that turn to sugar and things like that. So... That's what I'm speaking about when I say, you know, sugar causes cancer. And that goes for alcoholic beverages, too. You know, and it goes for, 
the sodas and things like that that are just full of high fructose corn syrup or either sugar. Most of them are full of high fructose corn syrup. However, I've noticed Pepsi now is made with sugar. It, you, you know, I know that you used to, in Mexico, it's it's made with sugar, Pepsi is, but over here, they were using high fructose corn syrup for years and years for Pepsi. I know they had throwback, I think they had Pepsi throwback and things like that. But now I've noticed just regular Pepsi, you know, it used to be you'd have to get it at like Costco or somewhere, and you could get like the Mexican kind of Pepsi in the glass bottles, and there would be no high fructose corn syrup, et cetera, et cetera. At least I had read that. But now I see in just regular grocery stores, Pepsi does not have, now I'm talking about Pepsi, I'm not talking about every form of Pepsi, like, you know, other things that Pepsi owns, but I'm talking just the cola, Pepsi cola. Um, at least in our grocery store, you know, in the plastic bottles, like the two-liter bottles, that now comes with sugar, and that would be genetically modified beet sugar, which they don't indicate that on the label, but, you know, cane sugar, as far as I know, unless something's changed, would be the one that's not been genetically modified. However, they may be genetically modifying it or working on doing so, so I'm just telling you, you have to kind of research that, but I know the beet sugar is genetically modified, and I'm not saying, you know, that soda is healthy for you, even if it has sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. And another thing, so I noticed years ago that Shasta sodas, and I'm not talking about like the kind they call the diet sodas, which is not really true. You know, they claim it's diet and it's probably better for your health and all, but it's not. It's got artificial sweeteners like Splenda or Aspartame in it, you know. Those are terrible for one's health. Um, but so is sugar, you know and high fructose corn syrup and corn syrup, et cetera. But what I am saying is that there, it's obviously that, you know, true that these corporations, a lot of them are working with the New World Order to poison us because why, like with Shasta, I noticed this year's back, the ones that are not the diet sodas, that are just regular sodas with high fructose corn syrup, they also had... Splenda in them. So in addition to the high fructose corn syrup, they put Splenda on the ingredients list. However, they don't call it Splenda. They call it sucralose. So unless you're informed and you know that sucralose is just another name for hiding the fact that it has Splenda in it, they're, they're hiding that fact by calling it something else like sucralose. You know, most people are not even going to read the label. And then those that do, they're going to see sucralose. They're not going to see Splenda or aspartame. So they're not going to know what the heck sucralose is. It kind of sounds like sugar even, you know, sucra, sugar, etc. But it's not. It's Splenda. So why would they need to put Splenda into a soda with high fructose corn syrup? You know, there's no reason for that. Um, and there's no reason to ever put Splenda in anything or you know, aspartame, except for their bioweapons is what I believe. So, you know, they're just wanting to, to sicken us, to cause people to go to the doctor, to, to get cancer, to get all kind of diseases and have health problems and then go get on pharmaceutical drugs or have some kind of surgery or whatever. 
and then they drain your insurance, you know, and drain your money from you and then basically kill you off, you know, um, a lot of the time. So, but anyway, another thing with high fructose corn syrup, I've been telling you for years, I think since like 2006 or seven when it first came out and I found out about it, that there's mercury in many different products that contain high fructose corn syrup. So be aware of that, it, you know, and you can look it up, you know, go online and just type in high fructose corn syrup in quotes and then mercury, and then you'll be led to the information in which products that they've tested that they found mercury in. They only tested products that had high fructose corn syrup as like the first ingredient because that would contain more of that ingredient than, you know, other products, but you know, any of them that have high fructose corn syrup could potentially have mercury in them. And they put that in so many different things, from the sodas to the salad dressings to, you know, breads and rolls and biscuits or whatever it is, soups, and it's in everything, you know. So that, to me, is another bioweapon, um, and it fattens up people. It fattens up people. So does soy. You know, soybean type things and soy products um, that are not good for us either, and most of it's been genetically modified, unless it's fermented soy or, you know, natto or miso or soy sauce and things like that, which, you know, I don't think are as bad. You know, probably not bad. But um, it could be potentially. I, I've even read soy sauce could, could you know, cause Alzheimer's. MSG definitely causes Alzheimer's. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't be just loading up on the soy sauce, but definitely stay away from MSG and the high fructose corn syrup. Be aware that it could contain mercury. Plus, it makes people obese, and it's just very bad for our health. And mercury is, is terrible, a terrible toxin. But vitamin C gets rid of all known toxins, so that is something good, you know, that I and Frank, you know, that we use and give to our animals, et cetera. But that's something you need to look into and, you know, know that it's it's a blood thinner. Vitamin E is too, and there's lots of blood thinners. So, But it's, it's good for so many things. It's anti-radiation, et cetera. All right, and then Dairy Queen, I did go to their site, and I, I don't know exactly what's in their ingredients because I haven't yet. It might be there, but... Um, you know, I'm trying to see here because I down I looked at like eight pages here. Let's see. It doesn't say what the ingredients are that I can find uh, for those treats in particular because somebody said, you know, I, I doubt they're even putting sugar in them. That's probably, they're, I'm guessing they're meaning that they probably put high fructose corn syrup or something. But, you know, I don't know what they're putting in there because I can't seem to find the ingredients on their website. But... It'll just say, like, sugars, grams, how many grams are in each different thing. So, anyway, you know, I don't know what the, the answer is to that, but they're saying, you know, if it was sugar, it'd probably be a, a treat in itself because, you know, they're doubting they even put really sh real sugar in there. But anyway, okay, so I'm going to get back into the book here, Miracle Medicine Foods. We don't have much time left tonight on... You know, to, to go through more stuff, but hey, whatever time there is left, I can give you some more information from this wonderful book I have here. 
and it's by Rex Adams, so I highly recommend this book. And let's see here. Okay, so now we're going to move on to something else, corn silk tea. Another gift from our Heavenly Father. He gave us the bean pods for our good health, in addition to the beans themselves, you know, shaped like our kidneys for, like, the kidney beans, you know, as a hint to us, hello, you know, it's like beets are red, and beets are great for our blood, for among other things. So it's, you know, he's trying to tell us, you know, with the shapes and the colors that he makes things a lot of the time, that they're good for different ailments we have. So anyway, reportedly corn silk tea has a soothing effect on kidney, bladder, and urinary problems and can clear up pus, infection, burning, or scalding urine. It will also soothe inflammation of the urinary passages due to gravel or kidney stones and regulate the flow of urine, whether too much or too little. In cases of bladder drip and incontinence, inability of the bladder to hold urine, and urine retention or stoppage of urine. It seems to heal diseased areas of the kidney, bladder, and urinary passages and flush out uric acid, toxins, and other poisons. So we're talking about the corn silk tea. And the corn silks are those strings in the corn. Like when you have corn on the cob, you know, most people, when they take the husk off the corn, they'll also remove those corn silks and just throw them in the garbage. But it's like, you know, what our Heavenly Father gives us, he puts it there for a reason, you know. And it's like the, it's like the white part of the inside of the orange peel. And on the oranges themselves, like, let's say, tangerines, for example, or mandarin or satsuma oranges or clementines, there's, there's all these different ones that I love personally, especially the satsumas. But they have these little white strings. Well, those are full of bioflavonoids, and they're great for prevention of cancer, among other health benefits. So instead of throwing those, like, white strings away in the white part inside, you know, the orange itself, it's good to eat those. Okay? And the same thing goes with the corn silks. Instead of throwing those in the trash... Why do you think they're there? Just to throw in the trash? Just I mean, Why would they be put there if they weren't there for some purpose, you know? So our Heavenly Father, I believe, put those there to benefit us health-wise, you know? And so reportedly corn silk tea has a soothing effect on kidney, bladder, and urinary problems and can clear up pus, infection, burning, or scalding urine. Now most corn, of course, nowadays is genetically modified. So if one was going to, you know, consume corn, it would be prudent to get the organically grown kind that has not been genetically modified either, you know, et cetera. And the same goes for the corn silks coming from the organically grown corn. And it says it will also soothe inflammation of the urinary passages due to gravel or kidney stones. And regulate the flow of urine, whether too much or too little, in cases of bladder drip and incontinence, which is inability of the bladder to hold urine. 
and urine retention or stoppage of urine. It seems to heal diseased areas of the kidney, bladder, and urinary passages and flush out uric acid toxins and other poisons. Reported cases. J.D. writes, I experienced the most excruciating pain I ever felt in the form of sudden attacks of burning and scalding urine. The burning and scalding came upon me in uncontrollable waves of pain. I noticed a thick white pus dribbling out of me that turned the water a cloudy color. The flaming hot pain lasted nearly an hour. Attacks came without warning and were especially loathsome miles away from home. A doctor gave me a sulfa drug. This did nothing for my immediate pain and gave me nausea. Another antibiotic turned my urine red. After endless trips to the doctor and pain so bad I nearly passed out, I tried corn silk tea. It cleared up immediately like magic. Mrs. M. B. writes, Some years back, I am now 83. There seemed to be something dreadfully wrong with my kidneys. Three doctors having taken an x-ray, which showed the lower half of one kidney completely black, decided there must be an operation, at least exploratory. Deciding not to have the operation, I took my family to the country, bag and baggage, and drank corn silk tea instead of water for a year. Upon my return to the city, one of the doctors called upon me and asked, How are you? I answered, Just fine. And you are going to laugh when I tell you I've been drinking corn silk tea. He said, Well, that is nothing to laugh at. This is where they get their kidney medicine from the corn silks. Another x-ray showed an entirely clean kidney. Now I swear by corn silk tea, a proven remedy. Mrs. MB adds, corn silks can be stored in glass jars, no need to refrigerate. One puts a handful of dried brown silks in a stew pan of water, boils it for 15 minutes to be sure it is sterile, and then drinks. It is as simple as that. No recipe is needed. It works wonders in clearing up kidney trouble. And apparently back when the book came out, it says corn silk may be purchased from Indiana Botanic Gardens, Hammond, Indiana, 46325. I don't know that that company is still even in business or selling that, but you may be able to purchase this over the Internet. I would make sure that they came from organic corn, organically grown corn, not been genetically modified, etc., or grow it yourself at home the organic way. Okay, so it is about time to end my show tonight. So I hope you learned a lot, and I urge you to go out and get this book before it's too late and it hits the fan and you can no longer get it. It would be great to have in your, you know, healing arsenal and to get the things recommended in the book for different things so that you'll have them on hand, as well as all the things you hear me and others on AVR talk about, you know, having on hand for your health. And it's called Miracle Medicine Foods by Rex Adams. So go out and get that book and then get the one by Norman Walker that I told you about as well. Fresh Vegetable and Fruit Juices, What's Missing from Your Body. And the original book was called Fresh, um, it was called Raw Vegetable Juices by Norman W. Walker, uh, Doctor of Science, or N.W. Walker, D. period, S.C. period, is on the cover. So get that book, too.
Coming up next is Frank, the owner of AVR for Two Hours Live. Stick around for that. Don't go anywhere. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.
Americans for Immigration Control is a leading national organization dedicated to reasonable levels of legal immigration and effective enforcement to stop illegal immigration. With more than 250,000 members and supporters nationwide, we are an effective voice for immigration reform. AIC stands up in Washington for the views of most Americans on immigration. We are the leaders in stopping recent legislation to reward 10 million or more illegal aliens with legal status and eventual citizenship. The late Georgia Congressman Charlie Norwood had this to say about us. AIC has earned a reputation among members of Congress as one of the most active and responsive advocacy groups in the field of immigration. Join AIC today. For more information, go to our website, immigrationcontrol.com. That's immigrationcontrol.com or call 540-468-2023. That's 540-468-2023. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be dependent on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio.
the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now.
typically will have a weapons platoon. This is heavy weapons, like anti-tank weapons and mortars. And then they'll have a headquarters platoon. And encompassed within your headquarters platoon is your cooks, your medics, uh, your administrative people, your supply people, your logistics, uh, your your headquarters staff. Um, so we're going to then work down to the rifle platoon. So you've got three of them. And they're uh, usually first platoon, second platoon, and third platoon. And so in each platoon, typically, you will have uh, three maneuver element squads and one headquarters element. So you could say it's four squads, because you can use the headquarters element in a squad fashion in a rifle platoon. They're not purely administrative, but they do some of your administrative work for the platoon. But they are combat fighters. They do they do carry weapons, and they, they're not just sitting around at some tent while the other three squads are out there fighting. They're with them. They're right with them. But they're known as the 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 command unit or the command structure. They they house things. When you get your medic issued to you from your headquarters platoon, you will typically assign him to that squad. Now, depending on the command structure, some command structures structures like to keep the same medic with the same squad for obvious reasons. They get to be part of the unit, get to know the men. Then there are other commanders who don't like that idea, and they like to keep the medics hopping around, and they'll move them around from, from uh, platoon to platoon, squad to squad. So it's kind of a... No, it kind of goes back and forth one way or the other, depending on the command structure. The, the leadership there has a lot to do with how that how that will run. Personally, I like to see the medic stay with the platoon he's assigned to uh, and gets to know the men, gets to know their medical conditions and the circumstances and the situation. I think that makes for a better, uh, not just a strictly an emergency in combat kind of a medical, but gives, the, gives a little bit more flexibility in, in his treatment of this, of this uh, man. Now, each one of the three squads in a rifle platoon are your maneuver elements. They're your combat. And typically, if you're assaulting the, an objective, you will use uh, two of the squads in a, in a bounding attack. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And you'll keep the third in reserve. And your headquarters element now, this kind of changes with the variation on the weapons. And when I was actively involved in a, in a rifle platoon, we still had the general purpose machine gun M60. The saw had not yet made it down to my to to the California National Guard. It soon came in, but it, at the time when I was there, we didn't have the belt-fed 223 squad automatic weapon, FN M249. Uh, today. They have the M249 saw, but now they've also gone back to a general-purpose machine gun, which may or may not be in certain rifle platoons, depending on their size, their element structure, light, whether it's a mechanized or whatever. And they have now the FN-manufactured M240 Bravo, which is a 308 belt-fed caliber machine gun, the same as the M60. So you've got your general-purpose machine gun, usually two, to a rifle platoon. And they're in your headquarters element. 
and they're under the direct control of the platoon leader, the platoon sergeant, or the assistant platoon sergeant. So you have the radio operators, your platoon sergeant, your assistant platoon sergeant, your medics, and your heavy fire-based general-purpose machine gun, which is usually a three-man element. You have the gunner, the assistant gunner, who carries a spare barrel and the tripod. Then you have the uh, ammo bearer. Now, the reality of the real world, if you don't have enough personnel, guess who gets cut out? The ammo bearer. So typically, the general-purpose machine gun in the real world usually has only two guys crewing it. Call it crew-served weapon, light crew-served weapon, so it has more than one guy. Okay, so now we're going to go back to the regular three squads. Each squad, depending on the size and the makeup of the element, is between 9 and 13 men. You have a squad leader. That'll typically be um, an E5 sergeant. And then you'll have two teams, the A team and the B team, in first, second, or third squad in the third platoon or the second platoon or whatever. So that's how you'll start to know your element if you hear them talking. I'm in third platoon, second squad. I'm in the B team. And your B team will have a leader. That'll usually be an E4, corporal, or spec four. And then he'll have his four guys, or five guys, depending on the size of the squad. In there now, in the modern uh, U.S. infantry unit, you'll have one squad automatic weapon. You'll have at least one guy with a M16 with a grenade launcher on it, 40-millimeter grenade launcher. He'll be the grenadier. And in a smart unit, where they have the table of organization and equipment, the O&E, to have the extra weapons, team leaders will have M203s, typically. And uh, while when I was in, a rifle platoon leader didn't, wasn't, his, his weapon was not required to be an M203, it was an M16, I always preferred to have the M203, because uh, I believe that as a leadership you're typically behind your men guiding the, the maneuver elements and observance as they're making a maneuver because you need to have the big picture. It's kind of sometimes tough to shoot through your guys with a rifle if they're if the ground's flat and they're just ahead of you. You don't have high ground. You've got a grenade launcher. It's got about a 450-yard range. You can fire over them and, and support them and hit the blind spots they may not see as they're making their maneuver elements. So you can assist in fire if necessary. Uh, most people don't, you know, the movies kind of show there is times when the platoon leader does move to the front and says, follow me, and, you know, gets up and, you know, does that charge kind of a thing. But that's kind of rare. It's not really what you're supposed to be doing. And uh, a platoon leader, is not, it's not his primary function to fire his weapon. His primary function is to organize, to administer, manage, and see that his men are doing what they're supposed to be doing in the combat operation. He has a weapon, obviously, because he's going to be a fighter. But his primary function is to make sure that those maneuver elements are getting into the positions. So now you've got your A team and your B team within your squad. You've got your three rifle squads. You've got your headquarters. Now you've got your platoon. You've got your three rifle platoons. 
the weapon platoon and your headquarters. That's a company. That's an infantry company. Uh, somewhere along the lines of roughly 150, 160 men. It is at full strength. You will have a platoon leader. Uh, usually a second or first lieutenant for the rifle platoons. The weapons platoon, they always like to give that to a senior first lieutenant as much as possible because he's te- technically, tactically the second in command of the company. Even though you have an executive officer who will be a senior first lieutenant, he's administrative. He's ash and trash. He's, uh, you know, make the beans and the bullets show up at right time. He's overseeing all the administrative things, tending to the wounded, uh, evacuation, bringing in replacements. Now, he can step up, and if the captain is killed, the company commander, or removed from the scene, he will become the company commander. But in a tactical environment, if the, the XO executive officer is away, the rifle platoon leader will take over. And then your headquarters company will typically be under the XO for the most part. But you could additionally have an additional tag-along second lieutenant uh, who might be the platoon leader for headquarters company, but not necessarily. If you're short an officer, that's where you're going to cut him. So you could conceivably have seven officers in the average infantry company. It's more common to see it's with only six. Then you have the first sergeant who's out of the headquarters. And he's kind of like the grandpa of the place. He kind of really, he runs the the day-to-day operation with the enlisted guys. Unless it's a safety violation or you're doing training, it's anything else. You know, it's not really the place of an officer to walk up and, and, you know, get on the case of a private for not having his hair cut, unless it's during inspection. So... Your first sergeant is the kind of guy who takes care of that kind of activity within a rifle platoon. And um, as you uh, move out through the through the through the command elements, they, as they go go further along, then you go into what's called a battalion. And a battalion will have five infantry companies. Only three of those will be rifle companies, as I previously just described. The other two will be a headquarters company and then uh, a combat service support or heavy weapons company, depending on how, what, what army or what, what military units you're with. When I was in, it was called combat, combat service support, CSC. That's where your scouts were, your, your, your anti-tank platoon, your tow weapons, your mortar platoon, heavy heavy mortar 4.2-inch. Down at the companies, we had 81-millimeter mortars, and they had the 4.2-inch at the battalion level and the CSC. They had a whole platoon of them. And then you have your, your, uh, your headquarters company for that one, which would house all your cooks and administrative personnel. Headquarters company has the full-on medical platoon, uh, and those medics are then, it's kind of funny, they get issued down to the companies 
and then from the companies that get issued down to the platoons. But they're housed technically for all all paperwork purposes at battalion at the headquarters company. Then you have the main cooks, the main service and support, the main maintenance, the vehicle maintenance, uh, weapons maintenance, the main supply, the armor for the for the battalion. All these people are up there at the battalion. Major command structure, major the sergeant major of the battalion, command sergeant major. He's the boss of all the NCOs in the in the battalion. And those are salty old dogs, and they know a lot of stuff. And second lieutenants don't mess with them. First lieutenants tread lightly around them, and captains start to get a little comfortable. And the major and the and the lieutenant colonel kind of can you know make things happen with them a lot better. So you have a lieutenant commander as a battalion commander. The XO is typically a major. And then you have a captain who's in charge of the headquarters company, and subsequently you'll have lieutenants down from there and all unattached officers. This is where you'll have the guy of all these extra jobs. Now, if you're fully staffed and you've got lots of officers, you're going to have a different officer for each one of these. In some battalions, you don't have enough, so the officers get extra jobs. But I've been in one battalion where there were so many guys wanted to be in that battalion that we had a chemical officer. That's all he did. He was the chemical officer. It was in a different unit where I was both the uh, executive officer, the rifle platoon. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I, previous to that, it was a rifle platoon leader, but I was, uh, and then I became the XO, uh, and then I was the chemical officer and the NBC officer, nuclear biological. I mean, if I just uh, maintenance officer, and four or five jobs because there wasn't enough staff personnel to go around to do all those jobs. So it's just different. Uh, it's it's how many you have. So if you've got plenty of officers in your battalion, they're going to individually be the one's going to be the chemical weapons officer, one's going to be the nuclear biological. Uh, typically that's combined. I'd like to have one guy do all of that, but, but not, not necessarily. You're going to have a maintenance officer. Uh, security and safety officers, they'll, they'll, they'll invent jobs if they've got overstaffed. Uh, so sometimes it can be kind of boring to be in some units if you don't get a good command position. Everybody wants a command position, command troops. That's the crux if you're going to be an officer. That's what you really want to do. So you've got this infantry battalion. You've got your rifle companies in the infantry battalion. Well, you typically have three of those battalions in a brigade. You typically have three brigades in division. You have all kinds of support elements that are in there. Aviation, artillery, armor, depending on the makeup of the, of the, of the uh, division. So there are about 1,000 men at a, at a battalion, about three to 5,000 men in a brigade. And depending on the uh, makeup or the composition of the of the division, you could be anywhere from uh, fifteen to twenty thousand on the low end to as many as thirty five thousand on the high end. And you'll have armored units and, like, say, artillery, a combat service support hospital. It's like your mash. You'll have a field hospital, which is the next level up. Uh, You'll have uh, aviation units, uh, 
Air Force will send you personnel. You'll have, you know, forward air control liaison people will be Air Force officers and, and senior Air Force enlisted personnel. Uh, if you're anywhere near naval operations, they'll send you a Marine officer who will be your naval gunfire support liaison. Uh, so that's that's the inner workings there. That's how those things will uh, mesh together. So we're going to go all the way back down to our squads in our rifle platoon. Fire and maneuver. So you're going to assault an objective. You have an enemy position on, say, a ridgeline, and they're dug in. So how are you going to get up there and get them? And this is if you're in a position where you find yourself, you're going to have to do it. In a survival situation, uh, optimally, we would avoid these things. But let's say we're in an advanced survival situation where it's required for groups of individuals to get together to uh, throw off uh, a repeated attack by uh, forces that have aligned and decided to come after you and your group of people. So you, you set yourself up in this, they're set up in an encampment or a position, they're in fighting positions, and you've got to remove them from your area. You've decided to go proactive and you're going to attack them. Sometimes the best defense is an offense. So you just don't all just get up there and start running toward them. And you're going to get yourself killed. You don't necessarily crawl toward them. That's not necessarily the best maneuver to get to somebody quick, too, either. So what you want to do is you do what's called bounding or bounding overwatch. So you take your maneuver elements. You've got, let's say you were going to have your, your three squads, and you've got two of them are designated your maneuver elements. You've got your A and your B maneuver element and your, and your C reserve. So as you start your attack, let's say you've got some, uh, say you got a mortar or you got some grenade launchers. You would want to fire on the position of the enemy. Now, if you've uh, ever seen any of the good war movies, you know they always prep the area with artillery. Well, back in the day, when you needed to get up there yourself, they would lift the artillery fire. Well, the minute the guys that are in the foxhole who have just been being pounded by artillery hear the artillery fire lift, guess what they know is going to happen? That's right, the attack is coming. So in uh, more modern times, the, after you know some people thought about it, hey, instead of lifting the artillery fire, we'll shift the artillery fire. They started dropping it back a little bit more. It's still coming in. They still hear it raining down. They just think, oh, they're getting to be bad shots now. They're missing us. And what you're doing is you're, you're making it so that you don't hit your own guys with fragments and giving them the opportunity to get down into the fighting holes. Idyllically timed, your guys will maneuver up as close to the enemy position as they can under the artillery fire while it's going on, just out of range of the fragments so they don't get hit and wounded. And as the shift occurs, then they will make the close the distance, hopefully catching the enemy down in their hole. That's the optimal way to do that. Let's say you've got something to throw up there at the enemy, so you've got your makeshift artillery going, a mortar or some grenade launch from a grenade launcher. Oh, there's the bottom half hour music. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the assault on a fixed position 
with maneuver elements as soon as we get back. This is Richard McGregor, and this is Survival Time, American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. American Voice Radio Network is cutting the price to $17.95. That's right, $17.95 plus mailing. You can protect yourself, family, and friends from cell phone danger to your inner ear. $17.95 at TheAmericanVoice.com. That's the superstore at TheAmericanVoice.com. $17.95 plus mailing. Order now. Freshness and taste. Our foods were designed. 
designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at landset.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333, 530-265-8333, and let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor, on American Voice Radio. Call in 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191. Or for international callers, or those of you with unlimited mention, call 541-826-9159. It is the 15th of September. This is a live show. You can call in. Oh, and by the way, wake up, Matt. You can't be sleeping through the show. Anyway, just a little message out there for one of our other hosts who is listening. Okay, we're going to talk about the uh, we we're talking about the maneuver elements. So you're, you've prepped your you've prepped your attack position. You're in the in the process of keeping them uh, keeping their heads down, and you maneuver up to the position as best you can. But let's say they figure you're coming and they pop their heads out and they get good overhead cover, so they start uh, returning fire onto your position as you're maneuvering. Well, if you're all just charging up there, they're just going to start cutting you down. So what you do, you use one element. It, it finds cover the best it can. It lays down a base of fire. The other element, the B unit, get your A and your B. Your B will then get up and bound. And it, what it's trying to do is maneuver and go a percentage of footage greater than the 
a unit. It may only be 10 feet, 10 yards, but it, it tries to get closer. And the idea is that the fire coming from the A unit is keeping the heads down of the opposition, and they're not paying attention to the bounding unit, hopefully. And the bounding unit maneuvers into a position of good cover, and they open fire. And the A unit gets up, and it does its bound. You do this leapfrog all the way to get up to the objective. You've got your, your C unit in reserve. In case things start to happen to one unit, you can fill in. You, if you're, you've lost men in the B maneuver unit, but not, you know, still, they're still pretty strong, you may only want to send one team of your C squad, of, your, you know, of, that, of that maneuver element, and still hold the other squad, the other team in that squad, send just one team, hold the other team in reserve again, because you may need to reinforce the A unit in their maneuver. And you've got your heavy fire-based weapons back with you at your headquarters section, so you're using them in an overwatching firing position. You may send them off to the right or to the left in a better position, but you're in direct control and command of those. Then once you've, uh, you know, hopefully then you've gotten close enough to take the objective with the final assault which may or not require both units to get up and charge at the last minute, depending on how close they are. There is the thing. You know, a lot, of, a lot of military personnel, it depends on the Army's level of training, their discipline, the makeup of their soldiers, what their moral values are, what, what their composition, how they live, what their life is like, um, whether or not you're going to be able to, uh, how, how tough they are. In, in, in the combat. And if they're very well disciplined and very well trained, that final assault will be very costly for you. If they're not a very well disciplined, conscripted army, and they're, they're really not motivated to be there, then uh, they'll be unnerved. You have, you know, 15 or 20 guys charging at you, screaming and hollering and firing weapons and throwing grenades. That's dis- discomforting. Disquieting. When a guy wants to get out of that hole, he's not going to be sitting there saying, I'm going to you know, continue to take well-aimed, well-placed shots. If you've got some steely, nerved guys, some good, trained, uh, quality troops in the hole there, they're going to be fire-disciplined. They're going to be they're definitely seriously picking out their targets and firing. They're not going to be trying to hide or crawl out of the hole. They understand that they've got to stand their ground there. And I'll do it in a group, and if they know that 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 way they have a tendency to to uh, make better and uh, and win. So <clears throat> then you 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 have your uh, when you've done your attack, the thing to do is is that they get up and they break, and they are leaving their fighting positions and they're running. You don't stop when you get to their holes. You clean out their holes so you don't leave something to shoot you in the back as you pass on, but you continue to press the attack on over. And that's when you finally lift your supporting fires, your machine guns and any grenades or even a mortar if you've had it. Um, and you continue to attack through, and you go on over, uh, you know, depending on the terrain features. Uh, if they're on the forward slope of the hill, I say you go down to about an equal amount of the reverse slope on the other side of the hill. 
Because typically, if they're a well-trained army, but they needed to break from their holes long enough, they'll get over there and they'll have a rally point to regroup, and they'll do a counterattack pretty quick. If a counterattack's going to happen, it's going to happen usually within 15 minutes of once they've been dislodged from their fighting position. And that's that's uh, something you need to you need to be aware of. That just because you may have taken an objective, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's now going to be your your chance to just go back and occupy those holes and nothing's going to happen. Always expect a counterattack. It can and most likely will come if you have a, a well-disciplined army. Ah, the country life. You probably hear the dogs in the background. I'm, I have to apologize for that. I can't... Uh, can't control them from here where I'm at. Uh, not my dogs, and they're just uh, like to bark at the deer around here quite a bit. So hopefully they'll calm down here in a second and they'll get out of my ear because they're kind of make it difficult to stay on top of the conversation when they're going off in the background. All right, anybody like to call in and have some questions about anything general and survival? Uh, you have any questions about the composition of a military unit? I'd be more than happy to help you with that and give you some answers. Um, there's um, if you're if you have a foreign military that's uh, say come to our country. Yeah, they're basically the, the, the combat techniques and tactics are pretty much the pretty much standard throughout the world. Uh, the the you know, well-disciplined armies. Uh, some units have uh, they don't have as many support personnel, so they'll be, and they'll be more uh, oriented toward combat fighters. Uh, and uh, so, typically a Soviet style when the, when the Soviet Union was. In effect, and since they're one of the major were major opposition, uh, and had a lot of countries follow them throughout the world, you're still going to find a lot of militaries trained under that that doctrine and and that te techniques of, of infantry fighting and, and combat. Their rifle companies were typically a little uh, a little heavier in in personnel, um, more personnel within the within the platoons that were combat and typically had four squads and may have had four maneuver platoons within that, within one of their companies. So um, th that's uh, one thing to think about. And their squad automatic weapon was typically an RPK, which is a drum-fed, magazine-fed, heavy-barreled AK rifle, uh, machine gun, of course, selective fire. And then their general purpose machine guns was a PK, PKM, that's a belt fed 762 by 54R uh, machine gun. And then you, uh, let me see if I can get this dog to shut up just for, for a minute, folks. Sorry about this. Hopefully that did it. We'll know here in a second. He'll start again if he's not listening. Um, armored units, uh, armored cav as they're, as they're called, are typically known in the variation of troops because of their, they like to align themselves with the traditional cavalry. Also, air assault units, helicopter units, they like to refer to themselves as cavalry troops uh, as, as opposed to uh, companies. And they do have platoons within the troops. 
uh, I know some of you may have watched the Band of Brothers from World War II, and you will see there was the Echo Company. You know, in 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 today's modern modern uh, military, there's uh, there's uh, typically uh, uh, five companies, but back then there was as many as nine companies in a World War II battalion. It's a different composition, different makeup, different structure. As as time has uh, has pushed and progressed on, things change. Division 86 changed a lot of things for the U.S. military. Some elements of that went and reverted back, so it's it's kind of flexed back and forth as time has as uh, maneuvered. Uh, things change. Hang on just a second. We got some more problems outside here. Frank, can you throw something up there just for a couple minutes here? I've got to make an adjustment. Are you there, producer Frank? Thank you. The preacher man says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River, she's a gold drive The interest is up and the stock market's down And you're only getting mugged if you go downtown I live back in the woods, you see My woman and the kids and the dogs and me I got a shotgun, a rifle All right, Frank, you can go back All right, sorry about that, folks Got some technical difficulties occurring on site Anyway, um Anybody have any questions, call in, 800-596-8191. All right, uh, there's some, uh, those of you who got Costco's in your area, there's been uh, quite a bit. Costco's been getting uh, different products from uh, Oregon Freeze-Dried, which is the parent company of Mountain House. Plus, they've actually had Mountain House brand stuff there. Uh, having some pretty good prices. And uh, there's, uh, i got to get some more information on it. It's, I think, 200 meals. It's a bucket of, it's no meat products, but it's all like vegetation type stuff, uh, rice and, and different uh, things like that. It's already pre-packed in a white bucket with an orange top. It's one of those rectangular buckets, about five gallon in size, and it was $65. There's quite a bit of meals for a very fair price, and it's all uh, freeze-dried, different company than, than Mountain House. And um, it comes and goes pretty quick at the Costco around here, so you need to get down here and check and see if they've got it. Uh, they're doing a lot of storable uh, type foods for long-term preparation. Costco's kind of reading the writing on the wall, and they've come to a conclusion that, hey, maybe we need to get behind this economically, and it's just a good thing to do to provide uh, for folks and uh, have it available. And uh, it's, uh, you know, pretty fair prices. And they've also got some um, – Oregon freeze-dried foods company marked uh, little packages of uh, dehydrated fruit. So you, you and they keep doing different things. Different products keep showing up there. Also, you might want to check the WalMarts. The WalMarts are starting to carry the uh, two-person meals of uh, of Mountain House. Anywhere from depending on what uh, product you get. I think the macaroni and cheese I saw the other day was five eighty-two for two, and uh, some of the protein with the chickens or the beef stews. We're around seven eighty nine for two, and then of course they have their dehydrated ice cream. It's 
interesting concept. I've actually never tried one. One of these days I plan to try one. That was about three fifty for for uh, for dehydrated ice cream bar. So uh, I, I can't understand the concept of how's it going to be cold unless it's got some chemical in it, but I don't necessarily want to eat. But I'll give one a try one of these days. I promise you. I'll look into it. Uh, but that's that's some al- alternative uh, options. And, of course, you probably got um, some of you got REI and they got North Face or other. Uh, you've got your uh, Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela's. <laughs> and they always uh, manage to have a good supply of uh, freeze-dried type foods and have different companies besides Mountain House, of course. You know, we have our our guy here. So, um, you know, you can check him out. He's got some really good uh, – he does Mountain House and other companies too, so he's not just limited to one area. Uh, you can get some bulk come in the number 10 cans and different prices. Um, and it's a flexible market. That's things uh, – inflation is starting to really hit home. So uh, things are not going down in price, folks. They're, they're going up. They're climbing. So you need to you need to get out there and, and get your things now. And you're going to beat inflation if you'll buy some of these things. If you'll just buy, go down and buy the regular beans and rice that we talk about all the time that you get at any grocery store, and start stack stockpiling that away. You know, you you put away a, a few hundred pounds of that, and you find yourself without a job for a while. You know, it might not be exactly what you want to eat, but I'll tell you what. Having a nice bowl of beans and some bread and some rice and uh, a little bit of vegetables, you know, uh, that you get, you know, out of your garden every day is a whole lot better than, you know, going hungry. You know, maybe you can have some chicken or some beef, you know, one or two times a week, you know, whatever. You you get out there and uh, do your alternative uh, work situation, uh, do your flea marketing or whatever. You make a little bit of money, you go get some protein. Uh, And, you know, you... You, you make do with what you've got. And uh, this way, you know, you have your, uh, you have your situation uh, under control. If you're not hungry, you can think. As long as you can think, you can always work your way around your situation and your circumstance. You can make a better position for yourself. It's when you're hungry, then the government comes in and says, well, if you want something to eat... You got to do this. So we'll we'll give you we'll give you twenty pounds of food for a gun. Now turn your gun in. We'll give you some food. We'll 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 bring you over to the to the recreation, welfare, and health camp, and we'll take care of you and your family. We'll make sure you've got something to eat. And by the way, you can't come into the camp with uh, any knives or guns. You'll We'll just turn them in over here, and when you leave the camp, we'll go ahead and give them back to you. Yeah, we promise. We're, we're the government. We're here to help. We're not here to do anything bad or hurt you or anything like that. We're here to, you know, make sure your life is easy. And if you believe that, I've got some bridges and some swampland to sell you. Uh, the situation is not getting getting better in our country for some reason. Um. You know, as far as the political scene, I think it's Mitt Romney. These people were telling me about. I'm pretty sure it's Mitt Romney. He's he's the fellow who's the Mormon. Not that I'm holding that against him, but 
his family left in the 1800s. His grandfather left the United States because of the persecution. And he went to Mexico. So Mitt Romney's dad and mother both are Mexican citizens. For those of you who study the Constitution or students of the Constitution, especially after Obama and his birth issue, it's become more relevant on exactly what they meant by natural-born citizen. Natural-born citizen has to be, both your parents have to have been born in the United States. Or your father had to been, and your mother had to be so old. And that was up until, you know, a few years ago. And now they've got birthright citizenship in this country. But that's not what the Constitution says you have to have to be president of the United States. So you basically technically have to be second generation, and he's not. So he technically doesn't legally qualify to be president either. I mean, after all, how would you like to have someone whose parents have an allegiance to a to a country, you know, other than the United States, and now he's supposed to be running this country? Well, that's what we have already with Obama, since his father was a African national communist, and his mother was a we don't know what, because. He doesn't manage to seem to want to talk about her or anybody else that he's, or even tell us what schools he went to or why, or what schools he did go to and when he was there, because nobody ever seems to remember him being there. No photographs in the annuals, the yearbooks. So this government is not our friend, and I don't care if they've got an R behind their name or a D behind their name. Uh, It's just, you know, two sides of the same coin. You you need to be prepared to take care of yourself, your family, and your local community. And that's why you need to get together with people now. Find their mentality now while there's, you know, it's when, it, when it's dangerous to be a patriot, when it's dangerous to stand your ground and fight and, and believe what you believe and, and live your day-to-day moral values in your life, um, it'll be tough to find people who are like-minded. It'll be dangerous. Now you can feel people out and kind of find out where some of them are at. Yeah, some of them going to be fair weather right now, and they'll, they'll, you know, turn around and jap out on you when the situation comes down on the other side of the coin. Uh, you, you'll have to, you know, be wary of them, but at least you'll have some foundation of knowledge of them to make it easier to have to fight them if you have to. And then, of course, the other time it's real easy is when the victory is close at hand. There'll be tons of people coming out of the woodwork saying, oh, yeah, 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 I fought, I fought, I fought. Yeah, they fought the last five minutes of the battles. They, you know, they, they, they risked something, but they waited way to the end to risk anything. So you need to find the people who are like-minded now. Make your allegiance, make your friends, group together, make your foundation and your formation now. Now is the time to do that. Now is the time to find out who's what and where and why. Uh, you know, find out the established people. This way, you'll have uh, you'll have a people group, a foundation, people to work with, people you can trust, people who watch your back while you're watching their back. Can't do this alone. You can't stay awake 24 hours a day. Can't plow a field and guard it at the same time. Sling your rifle over your back while you're plowing, but it's really nice to have somebody out on the periphery making sure patrolling 
making sure the area that you're doing the garden is going to not somebody's only going to sneak up on you and, and shoot you in the back. And uh, you can uh, keep an eye out for each other and uh, you know help each other. It's good to you know find people who have the different skills. You know I don't know about you, but I can't do it all. I'm a lousy welder. Yeah, I sure, sure do like to have somebody who knows how to weld around. That's a good thing. I'm pretty fair at medical, but I don't know that I'm that good at, uh, you know, doing surgery on on certain issues. So maybe you need to find somebody who can uh, can uh, do that a little bit better. And then there's uh, there's other issues. There's other other situations and other people that can do things better than you, and there's things you do better. You all need to get together. I mean, how many of you are really good at canning? How many of you have everything you need? Maybe you can't afford to get the pressure cooker, but maybe there's somebody out there who's got one or two, and they love to can. And you can go over and do a canning party with them. But if you don't know who these people are, you're not going to get that done. And one of the things you really need to do right now is uh, is uh, get down to that, those techniques and those skills, and start start collecting up those jars and and get that food uh, put together and canned up and uh, get it ready for uh, you know just your regular meals, your 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 seven day a week eating. Uh, you know you know what you put in it. You know what additives you put in it. You you know what uh, what salt you used. You're the you're the one that's. Uh, the best administer of your your health and, and what you put in your body. All right, there's Mr. Cash, the bottom of the uh, bottom of the first hour. Uh, this is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor, and uh, this is September 15th, a live show. Those of you got any questions, go ahead and give a call in the next half hour. We love, love to take your calls. Take care. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news. My head's been wet with the midnight dew. I've been down on bended knee, talking to the man from Galilee. He spoke to me in a voice so sweet. I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sleep. He called my name and my heart stood still. When he said, John, go do my will. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4646. 
5-4-6-5-9. That's 541-225-4-6-5-9. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at Freeze Dry Guy at Lancet.com. That's Freeze Dry Guy at L-A-N-S-E-T.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Radio, 
800-596-8191, for those of you with unlimited minutes or international callers, 541-826-9159. Okay, so hopefully you're, uh, you're banding together with your neighbors and your friends and you are got a good family group uh, and you're close to everybody and you're aligned politically as close as you possibly can be and spiritually and morally, hopefully, uh, in sync so that you all get along and you should know what you're standing your ground for. And you don't want to be a slave. So then you've got to have resources. And you've got to you've got to allocate those resources according to to your needs. And there are a lot of things you don't need. And so if you've got things you don't need, get rid of those things you don't need and get the things you do need. You know, it's real hard to make needles. So that's something you should go out and buy. A few dozen packages of sewing needles. And you should also go on over to uh, the handy leather and get yourself a couple of those hand-operated wax thread awls with plenty of spare needles of that. And then you need to go down to a good place that's got cell maker, the curved needles for the big cell cloth needles, the manual ones, get that, and get some leather scrap pieces, make yourself some leather pad paws, and get yourself some thimbles, and put together yourself a good sewing kit, and get yourself some thread. Fabric and material, none necessarily won't be all that hard unless you want specific fabric and material. So anything specialized that you think you want, corduras, nylons, canvases in uh, subdued colors, then you need to go ahead and get that stuff now. Buy as much as you think you're going to need. A few yards here and a few yards there. And you can put that away to repair and uh, take care of the things that you have. Um, these are these are items that a lot of people don't really think about. Uh, if you need buttons, the best place, you know, go down to one of the thrift stores and you know, or some and find out when they take their clothes and they rag them. They rag them. They typically cut the buttons off. Find out what they're doing with the buttons, or find out if they're just turning them over to a ragging company that turns the things into rags, and find out where they do with the buttons. Buy a big jar of buttons off of them. Grab yourself up what you can find. And then you can just uh, go ahead and store it and have it ready in case you need it for, for the future. And that way you're uh, in a position to, you know, repair your own goods. You know, you might want to buy a few zippers. That's something that's kind of hard to manufacture and make. Um, you can make buttons out of uh, deer antlers and things like that. But, you know, a lot of things that you time, you know, it's... Uh, there's the romantic look at the certain things, you know, if you're you're into mountaineer reacting, you know, okay, fine, make your buttons out of the deer antler. But if you're you're out there looking to survive and you just go ahead and buy a few buttons now and put them away, it's a lot better than trying to sit there with a hand drill and put the holes in a you know, a piece of deer antler to make a button. When you could just take one that you, you know, bought for a couple of pennies at a at a thrift store by buying a whole jar of them for five bucks or whatever. And then just, you know, sewing it on. You can make a manual buttonhole if you have to. Some of you out there, there's a lot of uh, Singer uh, foot treadle uh, sewing machines from, the, you know, 100 years ago that are still out there, and they're not that expensive. 
from the biome is a you know living room antique thing you know to you know have sit in the living room as a piece of furniture to talk about but heck there's a lot more of them out there that you can uh, just buy you know for 50 bucks 100 bucks and a singer heavy duty well-made treadle foot machine you sit there and just you you sit there and use your foot it makes it uh, makes it so it's a whole lot better than sitting there uh, hand manually sewing sometimes certain things so there's a non-electric option and some of them actually had both they had modifications where you could put an electric motor on them later on and had the foot pedal and you could do it both ways you could do it manually and electric so if you're in a position where you may be producing some electricity at times you can use the sewing machine that way and when you're not you sit there and manually just take right around and, and do some sewing with it being able to sew is a, is a good thing. That'll be an actual usable commodity in the, in the future situation. You know, right now we're in a position where things are being made for us so much overseas in China and places like that in India and South America. But when transportation and shipping break down and the ships aren't moving back and forth between nations anymore, and uh, no, no major air flights of air cargo and things like that. We're going to have to make things here for ourselves. Now, especially if you find yourself being in a in a perse- persecuted group, and you know, it's I you don't really think the structure can withstand. Now, I was talking about this the other day to one of the other local uh, talk show hosts on one of our local AM stations. Um, there are there are a lot of people out there who are quote unquote willing to put on the brown or the slash the black shirt and oppress their fellow man. I mean Joseph Stalin didn't do to the Ukraine murdered thirty million Ukrainians by himself. He didn't personally go down there and do it. He issued an order and he had lots of commissars, the proletariats, people who were willing to act on his behalf who were willing to or the power and the privileges and, and the things that they got to go ahead and deny these other people food and starve them to death. And you and I both know there are people just like that right here in good old USA. I call them the hall monitors. They were always the ones that wanted to wanted to make sure everybody else they were the, the darling of the teacher and they were the rats. They like to just tell everything about everybody all the time as much as they could. They like to be a part and a parcel to being in control, to being in control of of uh, of everybody else. Uh, it doesn't take much to take one of those people and just kind of shift them and tweak them just a little bit. And look at that fellow there at Abu Ghraib. I mean, he was a prison guard here in the United States, and he got over there to where there were even less rules and he had more flexibility and he was kind of a little bit more in command and he kind of became a tyrant and look what he was doing. All manner of immoral things. Some of that stuff was right on the edge of sexual perversion. Uh, Sadistic in a sexual nature. So, you know, these these fellows are out there and it doesn't take much for them to go ahead and, and be willing to, you know, sell their soul for a little bit more control over other human beings and treat them like crap. And so you need to be be aware of that. You need to decide now, is that what you want for your children or your grandchildren? So you need to be in a position to go ahead and make it, make a, 
make the choice. Part of making the choice is not worrying about whether they got food in their stomach. Food is the most important thing that you can gather, collect, and store. And you can wipe your backside with a with a rag and wash it if you have to. So toilet paper is not that important. And a lot of times in this world, people didn't have it. It's nice to have, but it's not the main thing to have. But beans and rice, you're not going to have enough time to set a garden and grow that stuff. I mean, I don't know about you, it's kind of hard to grow rice. It requires a lot of water and a lot of particular kind of land, and I'm just not a rice expert when it comes to growing. You, know, you just don't quote-unquote garden rice. Pinto beans, yeah, you can grow pinto beans. That's not that big of a problem, but it still takes time. It's a couple of months, their involvement to bring that crop in. So we're talking about something you can buy now for a reasonable price, store easily, uh, keep and maintain it, and stay stays pretty well. You can buy wheat right now. You can still buy hard red winter wheat, 50, 100-pound sacks, and you can put it away. And you look hard enough, you talk around a few people, you can find somebody doing metal cans canning. Worst case scenario, get yourself one of the vacuum sealers for a jar. And uh, Lehman's catalog or half a dozen other places will make uh, vacuum sealing machines with lid, lid attachments that'll suck the air right out of a mason jar with a seal lid on the top of it. Uh, you get the Tatler lids, you know, and they're reusable. So either way, you know, you can seal it. And if you remove the air and keep it dry, beans and rice will last for decades. Decades. And, uh, you know, it's better if you can pack it uh, in an oxygen-free, oxygen absorber, you know, or a nitrogen environment, or just totally vacuum pack the, the can and seal it. That's, that's best, but there's other ways to do it. Selling all of that, just getting some uh, plastic buckets and lining them with a couple of trash bags and dumping the whole bag, keeping the beans in the bag with the rice and just putting it in the bucket and and then uh, folding it all up and closing it up. That'll still keep it for five to ten years. Uh, it's nothing wrong, you know. I don't I don't think we're going to be 20 years before we're going to need our food. I seriously think that if uh, Mr. Obama is... Uh, repositioned in, in, in the job of president, uh, we're not going to see a peaceful resolution and change from him to another president. I think he will become the, the, the dictator. He'll be the Stalin of our time. And so the rebellion will start. There'll be some twisting and turning, and probably a couple of states will try to secede and uh, we'll, we'll have a war. They've already made arrangements under Bush 43. They made arrangements for the Mexican and the Canadian governments to provide soldiers under the U.N., under, under a North, North American Defense Treaty Pact, that they'll come right on in. I don't know about you, but, you know, our quote-unquote Canadian brothers to the north or our Hispanic neighbors to the south, come tromping in on my business and my my land, um, boy, they're fair game. Fair game, that's all I have to say. I will not take into account anything if they're from another country and they're here interloping in our business and our affairs. They don't get a free ride. 
No, they get to pay full price. I will view them here as hostiles, and I will treat them accordingly with extreme prejudice. And I think that they understand that. They might not be so willing to come here on an individual basis. Makes them easier to handle when they know they're not wanted and needed, desired to be here. And that's the that's the thing you you and I we need to do uh, is is make it clear to our to our government officials. You need to go down and find out what your sheriff's mentality is. Go down and ask your sheriff what his policy will be. Find out does he just let federal agents come in and do whatever they want in his county without coming to him first and asking permission. And then even if he is the kind of guy who says, well, they've got to come ask me my permission to do something, and you've got to find out and find out, well, okay, so they come and ask you. Do you just then bow out of the way and let them go ahead and do it? Or do you say, well, let me see your paperwork. Let me see if your warrant's properly uh, you know, signed. A lot of people get the signatures now. They get these auto-pin signatures, and there's no oath of affidavit of uh, proof. These are illegal warrants. A judge's original signature has to be on it. There has to be a sworn-out affidavit signed by the officer stating what this probable cause is and his reason for wanting the warrant. That's all a part of the warrant. And if that doesn't exist, that's an unlawful warrant. As far as I'm concerned, you're not under an obligation to obey that, to submit to it. And, you know, and a sheriff shouldn't allow it. He should know better. He knows what a proper warrant is. If he doesn't, then you need to get a new sheriff. And if your sheriff won't, uh, if he's not of the Sheriff Mac or, or the Sheriff Joe Apiro of uh, Arizona, uh, vent, vent or flavor, then you need to get a new sheriff. You need to find, you need to find someone who realizes that the position of sheriff in the county is the highest law enforcement officer in the land for his county. He is, you know, these people who tell you that it's the the the, the, the district attorney. That's BS. Your district attorney is not the highest law enforcement officer for your county. Your sheriff is. And, and you need to realize that. You need to hold his feet to the fire and make sure he hires the kind of deputies and men that will, you know, be in league with that. And hopefully where you're at and you have chiefs of police, you know, they would be that kind of uh, mentality and reflect that to their officers on their force. If not, and you're within the city limits and, and that's the jurisdiction that you live under, you need to go down and uh, get the mayor and the city council and if you live in one of the cities, and this has been the trend for the last uh, 30 years, is to move away from strong mayor systems to city administrators. Oh, yeah, yeah. Philip DeRue, administrator. You can go to Gutenberg Press, free books online, and you can download. It's a hard read. It's kind of, the guy wasn't the best author in the world, but you really need to read the book. The gentleman who wrote it was Edward Mandelhaus. He was Woodrow Wilson's basic uh, presidential advisor before they had the title. And he tripped, desired, wanted to be an administrator for the whole country, for the United States of America. He wanted to be the, 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 the federal administrator. He felt that there really shouldn't have, you know, the politicians really shouldn't run the day-to-day -day operations of the country. And that's the mentality that we have now with city administrators and county administrators. They're petty bureaucrats. They're hired. They're not elected. 
but they have just immense power, just immense power, and it needs to be taken away from them. You mayors need to get back out there and become mayors. You city council people need to back your mayors, and you need to start running your communities. You need to take away this authority and this power from these city administrators. It really shouldn't even be a position. You should just fire them all and go back to running the city yourself. And then you need to really look at your chiefs of police. And they need to be hired by you, not by the city administrator. And you really need to get rid of these guys that have got this urban mentality of, you know, well, we don't want guns in the hands of people and we don't want this, that, and the other thing, you know. There's tragedy, tragedy. You know, I noticed a lot of California cities when I used to live down there and work down there in law enforcement. Hired the, the bigger cities, went always to New York or Philadelphia to hire their chiefs of police. You know, they went to the big eastern cities and they got, you know, liberal, anti-gun, uh, not free-thinking, independent-type men to become the chiefs of police. And it was just tragic. It was, uh, you know, you just wondered what what were they thinking? This is the West, you know. The, where, where, why didn't they hire somebody out of their own department or someone regionally within the area who understood how things worked in the West? It's almost this uh, mentality that they wanted to destroy that uh, free-thinking environment and movement and come into a more police state. And that's what they have, a police state. I tell you, better that you take every police department in your county and get rid of them. Fire the chiefs, fire the sergeants, fire the police officers. Get rid of every police officer and turn it all over to the sheriff. Turn all the law enforcement in your county over to a sheriff. It'd be far and away much, much better. Much, much better. It was kind of always an unwritten rule for Western sheriffs, specifically. Some, some, some Southern sheriffs would do this, the deputies and things like that. But deputies didn't typically. It wasn't wasn't their bent to go out and hammer people on minor traffic misdemeanor minutia, traffic vehicle infractions, and things like that. You had to really be being a moron and an idiot. To get that, the sheriffs were more, you know, let's enforce laws that are against people and property, or there's a true victim. Let's not really, you know, spend a lot of time on the quote-unquote victimless, victimless crimes, and let's work hard and uh, serious on the things that you know are causing people real harm and real energy. And you know, sheriff's departments tend to be less number of officers per people, and they're spread out a little bit more. So that's made it made a lot of sense. It doesn't mean that you have people racing through town at all kinds of hideous speeds. Sure, when you get somebody who's being an idiot, they're being stupid just because they're being stupid. Yeah, you go ahead and you hammer them with a ticket, maybe carting them down to jail if they're reckless. <coughs> Excuse me there. I have no problem with that. What I have a problem with is when you make a mistake or it's a financial issue. Uh, for whatever reason, you don't have that piece of paper that they say you should have. That's, you know, to, to, to treat you as though if you don't have some documentation, now all of a sudden you're wrong. When if 
I removed you and put you on a completely different planet and give you a car with all the gas you needed to drive it around. And, I, and there was nobody else. And no, why, why would you need any documentation? Why did you need documentation 75 years ago for a car? You didn't. Why we got into this habit? How we took what we set up for commercial operations and imposed it on everybody. It, it, our, shame on you grandparents, you great-grandparents, for letting that happen. Shame on you for being asleep at the switch and handing this down to us. Now, it's our responsibility to turn around and fight it off so we don't hand it down to our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren. Somebody's got to draw a line in the sand. The quote-unquote greatest generation who went and fought World War II went to sleep when it got back in 46. But things happened. Laid back, said, hey, we did our deal. We paid. You paid part. You need to. You, need, you needed to stick tough and help us not get in this position. And now we still need you to help us reverse it. Uh, we're, we're in tough straits here, folks. 46 million people. 46 million people now are below the poverty line in the United States. That means they live less than, as a family of four, less than $22,000. Hearing that, folks? Now people say, well, we don't see the bread lines. You don't need to see the bread lines. All you need to do is go look and see who's got the food stamps. How many millions of people have food stamps? That's a bread line, folks. You just don't see it because they're lined up with you in the grocery store. You're not paying with a check or a debit card. They might be paying with one of the... Some states now give debit cards out instead of the actual physical food stamp. Here in Oregon, they call it the Oregon Trails card. And, you know, it's... You look, you can see, and, you know, you see line, people after people after people going through the grocery line, and they got their Oregon Trail card out there buying their food. That's a bread line. I don't know about you, but the foreclosures. And the number's not going down. They're getting very clever. They're now taking their time. They're actually some kind of, like, internal secret thing going around between the banks. You know, they were dumping out thousands of foreclosures a month in certain areas. They all of a sudden said, you know, we got to cut this back. We can't keep doing this. We can't. They're shocking the system. You need to not be posting this many foreclosures. So they've been slowly letting out the foreclosures. There's nobody going to buy them anyway, so it doesn't matter if you hold on to them for another two years before you put them out as a foreclosure. So you need to go ahead and hold back on your publishing your notices. And so now instead of thousands a week being published in certain places, there's only a couple hundred and said people are saying, oh, it's better. But we're at 25% unemployment. I know they say it's 9.2, but the reality is <coughs> that's the people who are looking who are registering to say they're unemployed. There are people who have given up or have gone into marginal self Sustaining little mini jobs and things like that, which are fully technically unemployed. It's 
25%, folks. All right, it is coming down. This is Survival Time. I'm Richard McGregor, and we'll be back for the last half hour, and we'll talk about guns, beans, rice, and bullets.
What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click the satellite system. Crop hell of their guns. 
life and sun It's coming down It's all around The new world orders Training armies on our ground Stormtroopers dress In black and blue To aim the crosshair Of their guns at Down upon a Waco, Texas farm I saw the lawless law there flex its long lean arm Before the sealed search warrants could even be served The ATF shot up the place Some what they deserve It's coming down, it's in your town, the new world order, training armies on our ground, stormtroopers dress in black and blue, I bet they're just likes to just end just abruptly there on this one particular song, a copy we've got. Okay, this is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor. This is American Voice Radio, AmericanVoiceRadio.com. 800-596-8191, 800-596-8191, or 501-826-9159, 826-9159, and the area code of 541. For those of you with the unlimited minutes or international callers, all right. Um, oh, the world of firearms. What is going on in the world of firearms? What can we talk about new in firearms or weapons? I was going to say uh, the little Dracos, little Draco, Ramonian AK, sold as a pistol. They're out there now. The 10.5-inch and 7.5-inch models are quite prevalent. They uh, seem to be running right around uh, between 4 and 469, depending on what gun shops got them. Uh, 469 is really high. They're really making a good clip of profit at that. 400 seems to be about fair. Um, I kind of opted. I thought about the 7.5-inch for the compactness of it, then I got to thinking, well, 10.5-inch got a little bit better muzzle velocity. So unless you absolutely uh, need something really super small and you want to get one, I'd suggest maybe looking... uh, now make your decision there, you know. Uh, either one, six and a half does the other, but a little bit more muzzle velocity after the ten and a half. Uh, time and money per- permit, I'm going to get uh, one of each. What can I say? Um, <clears throat> then i um, going to buy a snap sling, 360-degree swivel, sling swivel mount for the back where the stock would normally be, because these are sold without a stock, because they're sold as a pistol. Uh, under under federal law, under U.S. law, you can't have a stock on a pistol. 
there's exemptions and exceptions to that for under historical thing, like some of the Browning High Powers and the Broomhandle Mousers. But as a typical rule, you can't take a you can't take a Glock and put a stock on it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you take this weapon, and you buy this weapon, and you can go ahead and uh, you know put a sling swivel, and you just put a uh, looped sling through it. Don't attach it anywhere else. Just loop it to itself, and you put that across your shoulder, and then you put your arm through it, and you adjust it so that when you push it out at such a, at an angle, it snaps tight, and you become part of the. It's kind of like a reverse stock. You become the, the third anchoring point. So you you've got your hand on the front forend. The other thing you can't do to a pistol in the United States is put a vertical foregrip. But you can put a bipod. And there's a couple of bipods out there that kind of fold together. You could get a Picatinny rail system front end, fore end for the gun. And uh, you can attach that folding bipod, which when it folds down before the legs spread and becomes the bipod, it's still kind of just one piece. That would be technical. It would be a very wide interpretation that it is a bipod <clears throat> because you could take a Harris bipod like it's on a little 20, 1022 pistol. It's actually the 1022 rifle but made in a pistol format from Ruger. It comes with a Harris bipod on it. You can fold one leg down and hold it like a foregrip. <laughs> but the ATF has ruled that that's copacetic, a bipod. So if you get one of these that kind of actually clamps together and looks like a vertical foregrip before it splits, splits apart, it's still a bipod. So that would be a very loose interpretation, very technical. I wouldn't travel to and from the range with it attached to the weapon, but, you know, attach it while you're shooting and then take it off later. And in a real-world situation, you can always just clamp it on and use it. <clears throat> Real-world situation, you might want to have a stock purchased sitting in your spare parts box at home, ready to put it on. <clears throat> Those of you who are a little more dedicated to law and want to practice now and and don't want to be in violation, you can pay a $200 tax stamp to the uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, $200 for your tax stamp, and you can put a stock on it and turn it into what's called an SBR, short barrel rifle. And that will put it in a different class, and probably, uh, well, of course, it'll definitely add some value to it in the world of legality. And then, of course, you can legally have the stock on it, foregrip, whatever you wanted then, because it's no longer just a pistol. But as it stands now, you buy the Romanian Draco as a pistol. So on all handgun rules, 21 applies purchasing it. Can't be 18 and buy one. You have to be 21 and buy one. Um, even though it's an AK round, just like a AK-47 with a short barrel, I mean, <clears throat> or AKM, takes the same magazines. You can put 20-rounders, 30-rounders, 75-round drums in it and uh, shoot 762 by 3.9. There's supposed to be some 5.45s coming out. But, uh, oh, good news out there for those of you with Ruger Mini 14s and 223 caliber. Seems that the factory magazines are coming down. Uh, I was 
just told her the other day they found some 30-rounders out there for 35 bucks, and the 20-rounders seem to be going for 20 to 25 bucks. Uh, call CDNN in Texas. Uh, you can look them up, cdnn.com online, and uh, see what their prices are running. There's other places. Uh, Apex Arms has got a good deal on Galil magazines. For any of you out there going to go with a 223 Galil rifle, they were $15 for 35-rounders and $45 for 50-rounders. The uh, ones I got were in pretty doggone good shape, almost like brand new. Very good condition. Very clean, very nice. Uh, in fact, I had my 50-rounder was brand new, so can't complain about that. Uh, 35-rounders are used, but you'd be hard-pressed to tell someone more even that. If you're uh, a little refresher there, you know, for you folks who are, uh, you know, just coming online here and have just recently been listening to the show, I'll reiterate uh, uh, Rick's picks. You want a mainline battle rifle or assault rifle, quote unquote, something in 308, 30 out six, uh, 223, 762 by 3.9, and magazine fed. Uh, military style in nature and origin, and you want at least uh, no less than seven magazines, optimally a complete replacement set, so 14 would be ideal. And you want a spare spare parts set, you know, firing pins, a couple of firing pins, extractors, ejectors, mainsprings, and things like that. A set of hammer parts, uh, internals wouldn't be bad. Uh, you want ample cleaning supplies, a couple of actually dedicated cleaning kits. And then, of course, you would want uh, no less than 1,000 rounds of ammunition that you do not touch. If you're going to go out, practice, and shoot, want to have fun one afternoon, go buy a couple of boxes of ammunition from your local gun store or Walmart or wherever to go out and practice shooting and have fun. Don't touch your supply practice or fun for any reason. If you do, you'll get around to not replacing it. Pretty soon you won't have a thousand rounds, you'll have seven hundred and fifty rounds. You're not gonna do yourself any good that way. <clears throat> so keep that in mind. After you've acquired that weapon you want a shotgun, a twelve gauge. Uh, if you're a woman and uh, twelve gauge is a little bit too much, then go with a twenty gauge. Uh, you're going to pay about the same for 20-gauge ammunition, and in some cases you'll pay a little bit more. So if you can't handle a 12-gauge, you've got better better uh, pricing on your ammunition. You're going to have more more of it available. It's going to be uh, just, the, just the basic fact there are more 12-gauges than anything else, and that's why there's the ammunition's the best, uh, <clears throat> best price. So you're going to want... Uh, about, these are minimums, and want at least 250 rounds of slugs, and I would say between three and 500 rounds of double lot buck, or number four buck, for defensive loads, and then, uh, you know, about 100 rounds maybe of number seven, 100 rounds of number eight, bird shot for game, for, you know, small birds and things like that. 
you're going to buy a shotgun, I recommend a Remington 870 or a Mossberg. Uh, and then if you get the two barrels, then you get a short barrel for defense, and then you can get a long barrel for hunting. One weapon can do both things for you. And then uh, Ruger 1022 rifle. Absolutely. Nobody is complete without a Ruger 1022. If you're a woman and find handling a, you know, even an AK rifle too much for you or a Mini 14 and 223 or something like that, then, you know, get yourself the 25 or 30 round magazines, Butler Creek steel lit magazines, are about 20 bucks a piece. You get yourself about 10 of those. Get yourself a Ruger 1022 and some good ammunition. Get you some CCI mini mags, the little hollow point ones. Load those magazines up, and you've got a pretty awesome, a lot of firepower. Real easy to, you know, fire. Doesn't recoil, doesn't kick. Put a lot of bullets downrange, a lot of bullets on target. You can afford to practice. You can do training. And uh, I'll tell you, I don't want to be shot with a 22. I don't care how little it is. It still hurts. It'll still cut arteries, and it'll still make my heart stop. I put it in my brain, it'll make my brain go, uh, I don't think I can think anymore. I can be dead just e- as easy with a 22 as I can with a with a 308, 30 caliber bullet. So don't don't let that dissuade you. If recoil and uh, you know is you know one of those other weapons is too much to handle, uh, you know you might be somewhat older person, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman. And might not be able to handle a heavier firepower weapon. Uh, young people, uh, teenagers, youngsters, children. Ruger 1022s are good for them. Good for practice training. And they can be uh, awesome and formidable with one of those, just like uh, just like you can with your AR, your FN, or your M14. Um, after you've got those. Uh, Long guns out of the way. Uh, handguns. We want a primary defensive handgun. I recommend a 45 personally, but whatever you do get, you know, at least five magazines. That's your minimum, and 500 rounds of ammunition. Oh, no. for the Ruger 1022. Now, if you get yourself a 22, uh, you know you want to get a couple thousand rounds of ammunition. It doesn't take you very much money to get there. You know, it's pretty quick there. For you know, twenty bucks for five, eighteen bucks for five hundred and fifty rounds. If you're buying CCI mini mags, it's seven dollars a hundred rounds, so it's not that expensive. You can you can get to that number of two thousand rounds for that rifle pretty doggone quick. Like I said, by the CCIs for defense, you know, probably five hundred to a thousand of those, and I buy a thousand to as many as you can afford of the. Uh, Federal or Remington 550 boxes for practice and plinking and, you know, small game getting in the whole smear. Uh, Back to the handgun, Uh, we want 500 rounds minimum for that. Well, 300 rounds bare minimum. Uh, 500 makes me comfortable. And, of course, as time permits, you know, the closer you can get to 1,000, the better you'd be. Minimum of five magazines, but, you know, especially in a single-stack 45, you might want to really push that out to 10 magazines. If you've got one of the Wonder 9s or a 40 with a high-capacity double stack or something like that, then you do all right with five. A couple more, though, never hurts. Spare springs and other things like that. It's handy to have a 22 caliber pistol. 
either Ruger Mark One, Mark Two, Mark Three, Mark Four, or uh, Walther P22, or the Sig 22. Uh, those are all good little pistols, fair, reasonably priced, under $400. Uh, you can find used Ruger Mark Ones at gun shows a lot of times for a buck and a half, buck seventy-five. So they're, uh, and of course you want at least five magazines for those. Any of those pistols. You're going to pay a little bit more for the uh, Walter P22. They're about $25 to $30 a piece for magazines. So, you know, you probably get by with three on that. It comes with two in the box. Buy one more. You at least got three right off the bat. And I find the uh, Ruger pistol mags at the gun shows all the time for 10 bucks. Used, excellent condition. So you just have to hunt around. You can find those. They're new. They're $19 now <clears throat> for a brand-new Ruger factory 10-round magazine for those pistols. And that uh, right there is the Rick's Picks. You know, and of course, you want another 500 to 1,000 rounds for the pistol. Uh, defensive ammunition, same thing. Use the CCI mini mags. And then a couple of thousand for blinking and practicing and training. And there you go. You'll have a nice rounded up. That's a good number of guns for for an individual. It pretty much covers all the bases, everything that you might need to do or want to do with a weapon. Um, can hunt with the, the heavier caliber rifle. Can hunt with a shotgun. Can do training, light defense with the 1022, and same thing, practice with the two handguns. Do a lot of shooting with the 22, and then just finish off. Do some shooting with the 45 or 9 millimeter, or 38, whatever you you know can handle, <laughs> recoil wise, mechanically. Uh, you have to have some sense of mechanical aptitude and ability really to uh, handle a complex semi-automatic 9 millimeter or 45. There's a little more tricks to the trade there under combat stress and situations that could occur that you need to adjust for. If you find that's a little bit much for you, you're not that mechanically inclined, uh, then go with a 38. Less complications. Uh, safety is built into the fact that the trigger pull is so heavy on double action that there's just no way to have it accidentally go off. You have to actually physically cock it to get a lighter trigger pull. And so you've known you've done that, so you're not, uh, not in trouble for lacking the mechanical safety. And it's easier. You just don't have the uh, fast reloading of a magazine. You can use things called speed loaders, or little plastic circular devices about the same size as the cylinder with a, with a is either a pressure locking mechanism or an actual twist knob. <clears throat> Six or five holes or seven holes, depending on how many, what your cylinder size is, how many rounds your weapon holds. You put the rounds in there, you lock them in. When you dump the empties from the fired from the cylinder, you turn around and line this bullets up in this little plastic round device, drop them in, turn the switch, or hit the pressure release knob, depending on your manufacturer or your speed loader, that drops those rounds into the cylinder. So you're reloaded pretty quick. <clears throat> There's a uh, sheriff in Louisiana. He's a world record holder. He uses a uh, Colt Python six-shot revolver. And he will fire 
36 rounds in like a minute and four seconds or something. I don't know. It's not even that. It's, uh, uh, it would be too long. It's, uh, it's point something seconds. It's, it's under a minute. It's, uh, so many seconds and points. So it's, it's less than a minute. He'll fire 36 rounds. Starts out with six rounds in the gun and then winds up using four speed loaders. You almost think he's firing an automatic pistol. He's firing it so fast and reloading it so quick. Of course, he practices about uh, 500 rounds a day. So he's the exception uh, to the rule. But you can get pretty quick with speed loaders and you know, take your time, and you can get to where you can reload the revolver pretty quick. Some of you ever want to see a pretty good film footage of speed loaders in use in a movie, uh, um, uh, you can, uh, oh, now I was going to know her name here. Uh, oh, that's the end of the show anyway, but uh, 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 Silence of the Lambs, Jodie Foster, she's doing her FBI agent. She reloads with the speed loader in that movie. Okay, this is Survival Time. I'm your host, Richard McGregor. This has been another week. Thank you very much. God bless. Remember beans, rice, and bullets. This has been your show for September the 15th, 2011. Take care, everybody. See you next week. A woman and the kids and the dogs and me. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive I can plow a field all day long I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn Make our own whiskey and our own smoke too Ain't too many things these old boys can't do And homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folks can survive Because you can't stop about And you can't make a run Those women old boys raised on shotguns Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. We're 
Worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
I've, I've griped about this, and I've told you about this for many, many, many years now, because I don't know what year it was exactly. I'm sure it's on the site, but back when MySpace was basically being shut down by the media, because it was so dangerous, if you went on MySpace, you were going to get raped and killed. And then came FedBook. Oh, FedBook's so much better. It's so much safer. It's safe, safe, safe for all your little children to get on there and safe, safe, safe. So everybody moved to FedBook. I didn't know anything about it at the time. I figured, well, okay, if that's the way it is, if that's how it's going, then I'll get me one of those. So I did, and I got there, and I'm like, wow, this sucks. This isn't like my pay- my space. My space was really simple and easy to use, okay? This is this just stinks. I don't like FedBook, but it doesn't matter what I like because a lot of you like it. You go there. I think you're insane uh, and probably mentally ill to to be on FedBook. But hey, that's just my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. And you're entitled to be on FedBook if you want to, which a lot of people are. So instead of just let my page sit there, and you know what, folks, I have so many likes. I mean, I have hundreds of people who came to my page and, and, and liked it. There's nothing on it, man. Okay? There's nothing on it. This is See, this is the kind of thing that makes me think people on FedBook are insane, because there is nothing, well, now there is, but there hasn't been anything on my site since I got it. And yet people go there and like it. Okay, I love blank pages. Yeah, that's great. That's what I like about the Internet. Pages with no content. That's what I'm looking for. Well, that was my FedBook page until today. And it took me hours just to figure out how to do anything on there. I just, it's ridiculous. But anyway, now our YouTube stream is on the FedBook page. So there's actually something there now. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep on it. I'm going to put something, you know, stuff. I'm going to try to get a, you know, the audio stream on there too. People would prefer that, and uh, you know, I'll probably write something on there. I'm going to try to do this because of the popularity. I'm not. I'm never going to get my own personal FedBook page, but you know, as a radio network, I guess it's a good thing. You know, the more platforms you're on, the better it is. So there we are. Now FedBook's another one that we are actually broadcasting through. So there it is. Yippee. Okay, let's get on with the things here. Now, I had mentioned this yesterday, and I didn't have time, so now I do. While the United Nations and their pursuit of globalism over the last several decades has led to the murders and deaths of countless number of innocent people around the world, we learn in this news story that the hypocrite UN High Commissioner for Human Rights (laughs) uh, is now blaming, wait for it, folks, Donald Trump and the rise of, get this, weaponized populism. Wow. For what he warns will turn into colossal violence in the future. Even comparing Trump and Nigel Farage of the UK to ISIS. Can you believe this, folks? These people are so, and and it's not populism, because that can be anything, okay? 
that can be, oh, hey, we all want free welfare. Yay, let's all, yay, well, let's do that. See, that's the populism. That's populism where everybody says, what? Free cheese? Yay, I'm for that. Let's all vote for free cheese. Yay. Okay. But you see, that's not what this election is about. And they know this is not what it's about. They will call it everything they can except what it really is. It's Americanism. People in America, Americans, not your hyphenated scumbags that, oh, I'm a this American or I'm a that American. Look, you're either an American or you're not. And if you want a slash in your name, go live in another country. You're so proud of your heritage, well then go back to the country where you're so proud of. Get the hell out of the United States of America. That's what I've got to say about it. Uh, hyphenated names, too, you know? But the thing is, it's Americanism. Americans are finally standing up and saying, look, and they're not really standing up. They're, it, it's like, it's sick. It's really sick, folks, because what? Nobody realized what the hell was going on until Donald Trump stood up and said, Crooked Hillary, Lion Ted, on and on, right? Nobody, nobody got that before he said it? Of course people got it before he said it. Everybody knew everything he has said long before he said it. It's just that everybody in America is so cowardly anymore and so worried about offending somebody's precious little feelings that they will not speak the truth to their own demise, to their children's own demise. And that's really sick. Oh, so Donald Trump stands up and everybody all of a sudden gets up and follows him. I mean, we are a nation of following sheep. What happened to all that uh, rugged individualism? Oh, people can say, yeah, the government killed it. They, they ripped it out of us. They, they're the ones. No, they're not the ones. You know what? They're not the ones because nobody does anything like that if everybody just stands up and says, what? Oh, stuff it up your behind, buddy. We're not doing that. No, really, we're not. We're not doing that. Oh, really? You're going to enforce it? You are? Oh, I guess you're not planning on going home tonight then, are you? Serious, folks. Americans are starting to say, hey, you know what? Trump's right. And the longer Trump talks, the more people are realizing he's right. You might not like the way he says some things. Shoot, I don't like the way he says some things. But you know what? When you think about what he said, you think, well, gee, I didn't like the way he said it. He could have said it nicer. He could have said it more delicately. But actually, you know, it's still true. Yeah. Duh. I mean, and all these stories about, oh, oh, it's a two-point race. No, it isn't. It never has been. Do you realize, look, I keep bringing up the fact that Donald Trump fills stadiums wherever he goes and Hillary Clinton has to pay people just to get 100 folks to show up on a college campus, for crying out loud. The most liberal bastions in the world, she can't get a crowd together. 
Something wrong there, don't you think? But that ain't all. There's clowns on the uh, on the radio and TV saying, well, you know, nobody wants Trump. Nobody wants Trump. Really? Well, that's funny, because Donald Trump got more votes in the Republican primary by 2 million votes than anybody in history since they've been having Republican primaries. Wow! He got more votes in the primaries than Ronald Reagan. And shoot, folks, Ronald Reagan is arguably the most popular Republican president ever. But Donald Trump got more votes in the primaries than Ronald Reagan got. But nobody wants him. What? I mean, these people are just, they'll just say anything. And it doesn't matter. Fact, reality, I'm not going to bother myself with that. Don't confuse me with that. Well, anyway, interestingly enough, according to the story from Foreign Policy, there's a great deal of evidence that the same U.N. Commissioner for Human Rights, Ziad Rad al-Hussein, is strongly against the right to free expression, as evidenced by his nation Jordan's attempt to get that... Listen, listen. By his nation... Jordan's attempt to get the United States to criminalize the defamation of religion. Wow. According to this recent story from uh, ANP, Al Hussein is also demanding robust gun regulation in America. Is Al Hussein's warning that Trump will be responsible for colossal violence in the future proof that the U.N. is preparing to attempt to crack down upon the American people? You know what, folks? I almost hope they are. No, honestly, almost. Because I don't really hope they are, but I almost do. Because that will give us a clear and present target. And we can just start slaughtering UN troops. Oh no, I mean hacking them into little pieces. Put them in plastic bags and sending them back to the UN. I mean really, really violent. Because, listen, you may not know this because it never hits the news, but these so-called UN peacekeepers are some of the most brutal pieces of garbage walking the face of the earth. And, you know, the thing about them is they're so brutal because they're used to walking into third world countries where nobody has any guns, they got sticks and stones and rocks, and they walk in with machine guns, and they just start mowing everybody down and, uh, and all that. They're not used to dealing with people who got their own rifles. So, I almost hope. Yeah, you bring in the UN blue-hatted peacekeepers. They're going to learn what peace really is. Anyway, uh, if not, what kind of colossal violence is Al Hussein referring to? The main political violence we're now witnessing here in America is being perpetrated by those who hate Trump 
and are attacking his supporters and their right to speak freely. Does Al Hussein know something we don't know? Is he warning of future violence in America, another sign that the U.N. is preparing an attempt to disarm peaceful, law-abiding American citizens? You know what? I'm getting sick of being called a peaceful, law-abiding citizen. For one thing, folks, there is nobody out there listening right now, including and nobody talking right now, that is law-abiding. Because that suggests that you abide by all the laws, and I guarantee you, no, you don't. You don't even know all the laws. And you have no idea how many laws you're breaking every day. But I guarantee you, you're breaking them. Because there's no way anybody could not when there's so many laws. And peaceful? No. You know what? I don't know about you, but I'm not peaceful. Peaceful? Well, I'm peaceful as long as everybody else is peaceful. But if somebody wants to get violent, oh man. I got like a little nitro button that I can push. And, uh, okay, here comes the violence. Here comes the rage. Here comes the anger. And you better be able to match it or you've got a problem. And Americans need to start pulling up their britches a little tighter and getting that attitude. I know a lot of you you have that attitude, but you need to start talking to your little wimpy neighbors and such. They go, oh, well, I don't want any problems. Well, what are you going to do when, you know, the rape gangs come to town? And what happens when the rape gangs got blue helmets or uh, little gold badges or whatever. What happens when that happens? What are you going to do? I've had people tell me, oh, well, you know, if my, uh, gee, if, if my kids are starving, I'll take the mark so I can get them some food. Well, you know, that sounds like a good mommy sort of thing to do, but you know what? You're not saving them. You're only getting yourself damned to hell, that's all. They're going to be killed anyway. You're not saving anybody. But you know what? If people are willing to take the mark of the beast and go to hell for their children, how come they're not willing to pick up a rifle and start blowing the crap out of these people that show up to do harm to your children? Huh? How come? Maybe it's that they have more faith in the government than they do in God. They have faith that if they step out of line, the government will come and hammer down on them. But they don't believe God would ever do that. Well, you know what? That's like as a child when your dad tells you, I'm telling you what, kid. If you do this or that, whatever it might be, I am going to whip your little behind until you're screaming like a little girl. And you walk off and you think, ah, he doesn't really mean that. He'd never do that. That's my dad. He likes me. Yeah, sure, he won't do that. Well, you're in for a big surprise. 
See, I always believed my dad when he told me that. That didn't stop me, but, I mean, I believed him. Folks, you better start believing what God has said in the Bible. That's just, that's some free advice. Anyway... The huge majority of Donald Trump supporters who we have communicated with are very peaceful people and want a peaceful world for their children and grandchildren to grow up in and want nothing at all to do with the colossal violence. Well, you see what? These people are, on one hand, they're saying, well, Donald Trump is a Russian agent, which is absolutely ridiculous, but, you know, nevertheless, hey, Democrats can say anything, and then the echo chamber we call the mainstream media just keeps repeating it, and everybody thinks it's news. And and it's just BS. But, okay, so they say Donald Trump, uh, you know, he loves Putin, and uh, he's an operative of Putin, and he's a Russian spy, and blah, blah, blah. Then they say, well... You can't give a guy like, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump the nuclear codes uh, because, boy, uh, you know, he'd be crazy. He'd just nuke you if you insult him. Wait a minute. Which is it, man? Now, what's all this Russian spy business? What's facilitated this? It's because Donald Trump has actually said that, hey, you know, I want to get along with Russia. Oh, you bastard. You want to get along with somebody? Wait a minute. Whoa. I thought this was the guy we weren't, uh, you know, it was too dangerous to give him the nuclear codes because he's some lunatic and he wants to get along with who used to be an adversary. Let me tell you something, folks, what this thing with Russia is like. It's like the U.S., what they call the Civil War, which was actually uh, federal aggression, the war of federal aggression. Not even northern aggression. Because the thing you need to understand is the northern states were defeated also by the same enemy the South had. The only difference is the northern states chose to capitulate with the enemy that destroyed them, like the French, and the southerners decide to fight. That's the difference. But the federal government defeated all the states, not just the southern states. But the southerners put up a fight, and then they lost. Well, Andrew Johnson, the president after uh, Lincoln, and Lincoln also, wanted to say, well, okay, look. We had this thing. It's over now. Let's go back to normal. Let's be friends. Let's welcome them back. Look, we had our... It's kind of like brothers fighting. Okay? Hey, brothers can bust each other's noses and arms and, 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 you know, bloody their nose, you know, knock out teeth. I've seen brothers have some real knockdown, drag out, blood on the street fights, man. Serious business. But, when it was over, 
you know, they were still brothers, and they kind of got over it, and, you know, they went back to normal. And that's what Johnson and Lincoln wanted to do. But there were the chicken hawks in Congress who said, oh, hell no, we got to punish the South. So they went about punishing the South for decades. There's a lot of resentment there. That's why the Southern people still call people from the North the damn Yankees. They do it for good reason. And this, this is what these chicken hawks in Congress are now doing. Oh yeah, Russia was the Soviet Union, the evil empire at one time. Sure they were, okay. Oh, oh, but before that, they were our allies, right? But then they became the evil empire for some reason. Oh, I know why. Because they didn't want Goldman Sachs and the boys rolling into their country and taking it over. Oh, they're the evil empire now. Yeah, okay, so the evil empire collapses and they go back to the Russian Republic. And yet these people are still hawking war with the Soviet Union, even though it doesn't exist anymore. It's time to get over it. And people in this country need to start realizing the American people actually have more in common on a day-to-day basis with the Russian people than you do the European people. Than you do the Italians or the Spanish or the Danes or any of them. We have more in common with the Russian people. It's ridiculous. Why shouldn't we be friends with them if we can? That doesn't mean roll over and show them our belly. It means let's try to get along. We've had a conflict. Let's try to get over it. Oh, no, not in Congress. No, 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 no. Not if you're Hillary Clinton. Oh, the evil empire. Yeah, sure. You know. (laughs) Oh, look at the clock. I have to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. I got some I got some obscure stuff here. Maybe somebody out there will know this.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. I would like to tell you about the only truly natural dog and cat food I have found anywhere. Most all companies add a synthetic vitamin mineral pack to their dry or kibble food. Nature's logic is different. With all natural ingredients and nothing man-made added, their owner, Scott Freeman, worked for another pet food company but decided he wanted to do things right. So he started Nature's Logic. You can check them out at natureslogic.com. You will find online and local stores where you can find their products. I spent a lot of time trying to find an all-natural pet food, and Nature's Logic was the only one out there. Give your pets the best and check out naturelogic.com. Your pets will be glad you did. They also have many other natural pet products to try. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Thursday, September 8, 2016, about 8.42 out here on the Pacific Time Coast, 800-932-1980 is the call-in number. TheAmericanVoice.com or AmericanVoiceRadio.com is the website. All right, let's get back to some things and stuff. All right. Here's the title of this. This is another one that I didn't get a chance to get to. The day the lights go out and the trucks stop running. All right? Listen, I want to encourage you again. I mean, it's my major function is to try to encourage every listener out there to prepare. I mean, really, prepare. Prepare for a year on your own where everything you see around you is all you're ever going to have. Okay? It might not be a year. Better safe than sorry. I'd rather have it than not. Rather have it not need it than not have it need it, right? Listen, I've been on and on about this for a long time. More and more people are writing articles now and and trying to spell it out for you if you don't get it yet. The government is not going to help you. You think FEMA is there to help you? Listen, look, you know, the, the BS on the TV can tell you all day long, oh, yeah, FEMA's there, the emergency people are there to help everybody. Why are, they, why are they so lousy at it then? If that's their job, why are they so pathetic at rendering assistance in an emergency? Do you know why? Because it's a cover. FEMA is not there to help anybody in an emergency. FEMA is a continuance of government agency. They are there to make sure the government survives, not you, not your state and local government even, but the federal government, that the federal government and the federal government's power and authority will survive. That's what FEMA's about. That's why they're so crappy at, oh, there's a hurricane. Let's try to give people blankets or something. They can't even manage that. Why? Well, it's the same reason Guido couldn't get the stain out of your dry cleaning. Because he wasn't really a dry cleaner. The dry cleaning shop was just a front for an illegal gambling and prostitution ring in the back. That's what FEMA is. So, here's something I found on the online. Within a week, in roughly this order, grocery stores would be out of dairy and other items that are delivered many times a day. And by the week, the shelves would be empty. Hospitals, pharmacies, factories, and many other businesses also get several deliveries a day. And they'd be running out of stuff the first day. The second day, there'd be panic and hoarding. And restaurants, pharmacies would close. ATMs would be out of money. Construction would stop. And, oh, by the way, the ATM's out of money? Melissa used to live in Florida where they had hurricanes up until, like, you know, 10 years ago. They stopped having hurricanes until this last one. But uh, every time a hurricane comes through, that's exactly what would happen. The shelves would be empty and the ATMs would be out of money. And that's just a hurricane. Construction would stop. The layoffs would start. Increasingly enormous amounts of trash not getting picked up. Uh, You know how much trash there is in the United States? 685,000 tons a day of trash. 
You know, personal experience, back when I was a kid in the 70s, my grandmother lived on 93rd Street and West End Avenue in New York City, right in Manhattan, a few blocks down from Harlem. But they had a sanitation strike in New York City. And, I, you know, I'd go in to visit my grandmother at least once a month. And I went to visit her during this strike. And let me tell you, man, they had piles on the sidewalk. Now, you got to understand something about sidewalks in New York City. They're really big. They're not these little tiny sidewalks you see in most towns, okay? They're really huge. Everything in New York City is bigger, all right? You could drive a car. You could drive a semi down the sidewalk, okay? The sidewalk was completely full and about eight feet tall, piled of trash. The whole city stank. It was terrible. And this was only like a week. Anyway, service stations would be closed. Very few people would be working. And the livestock would start to be hungry from lack of feed deliveries. Within two weeks, clean water would run out. Within four weeks to eight weeks, there wouldn't be coal delivered to power plants and electricity would start shutting down. And when that happened, about a quarter of our pipelines used electricity. So natural gas plants wouldn't be fed natural gas and they'd start shutting down. Listen, there's so much infrastructure that we take for granted that would suddenly become very vulnerable in this type of scenario. There are countless numbers of workers out there that never get any glory that do the hard work of maintaining our nuclear power plants, our natural gas pipelines, our electrical grid, etc. If they suddenly were not able to do their jobs, the consequences would be absolutely catastrophic. Here's something somebody else wrote. They rarely mention the dozens of nuclear power plants that litter the United States. If no one is there to operate them, how long before they melt down and bury millions of survivors under a radioactive cloud? Then there are 12,000 facilities around the country that store large quantities of toxic or flammable chemicals and reside close to residential areas. 2,500 of these sites contain chemicals in quantities that, if a catastrophic accident were to occur, could affect 10,000 to 1 million people each. And let's not forget the 2.5 million miles of oil and gas pipelines that can be found in every state. They suffer hundreds of leaks and ruptures every year and are much more likely to explode when they aren't maintained. That detail seems to be conveniently forgotten by post-apocalyptic films. And finally, most post-apocalyptic movies will forget to mention what happens when there aren't any functional fire departments. Aside from the obvious consequences, the whole neighborhoods routinely burn into the ground. Who's going to put out landfill fires that are occasionally radioactive? Yeah, wow. So, you get the picture, folks. If you don't do something yourself, there's not going to be anybody. Nah, and there's some things, look, you just can't. If you live next to a nuclear power plant, uh, well, I don't know. I'd be moving, you know. <laughs> I mean, if you're downwind from a nuclear power plant, I'd be moving. But that's just me, 
You know, you got to take, you know, you, you roll the dice in, in some things. But you know what? There are no guarantees, but you can improve your odds, all right? Here's something from Zero Hedge. This is the headline. I've mentioned this before, specifically when I talk about soup lines versus food stamps. Hmm? Here's the headline. It's worse than the Great Depression. One in six prime-age men has no job. While Obama was repeatedly touted the sub-minus-5% unemployment rate as confirmation his economic recovery has been successful, <laughs> God, what has received far less media attention has been the unprecedented surge in Americans no longer in the labor force, which, as of August, stood at a near-record 94.4 million people. Okay, and these are people that are in the job age market, right? Normally, people this age would have a job, and there's 94.4 million of them that don't. And while the traditional response by economic apologists and the media has been that this number is the result of a demographic change in U.S. society with mostly older workers no longer in the labor pool, we have over the years argued that this is misleading and that millions of prime-age workers have fallen out as a result of drastic changes to America's job market, coupled with structural lack of demand for legacy jobs, which has, for example, sent the number of unemployed waiters and bartenders to an all-time high, even as the number of manufacturing workers is lower than it was in December 2014. Overnight, NPR confirmed precisely what Zero Hedge has been claimed for so long when it said that while the nation's unemployment rate is half of what it was at the height of the Great Recession, saying that unemployment numbers hides a big problem, millions of men in their prime working years have dropped out of the workforce, meaning they aren't working or even looking for a job. condemnation of Obama's recovery is dire. One in six prime-age guys has no job. It's kind of worse than it was in the Depression in 1940, says Nicholas Eberstadt, an economic and demographic researcher at American Enterprise Institute who wrote the book Men Without Work, America's Invisible Crisis. He says these men aren't even counted among the jobless because they aren't seeking work. According to Eberstadt, little is known about the missing men but there are numerous factors that make men less likely to be in the labor force. A lack of college degree, being single or being black. Why are men leaving? And what are they doing instead? There's an antidote from uh, NPR. Might shed a little light on it. They might be like Ro Romeo Barnes. He lives in District Heights, Maryland. And his last job as a Walmart greeter ended 11 years ago. He's 30. Black, single, and has cerebral palsy. I have able-bodied friends who can't find work. So it's not just me, Barnes said. He's right. He says he has sought administrative jobs, but that his disability and not having a college degree hold him back. Men are traditionally known for labor work. The lower-educated guys have to do stuff like that. And that's being taken away because we have machines and Mexicans. 
Indeed, economists say technology and overseas competition are displacing many jobs. Really? Wow. Gosh, I wish I'd have noticed that. Huh? <laughs> overseas competition is taking away our jobs. Can we say NAFTA? Can we say the World Trade Organization? Can we say free trade? Can we say globalization? Huh? Indeed. The number of people collecting disability insurance like Barnes has also increased. AEI's Eberstadt says criminal records also play a factor. Some 20 million Americans have felony convictions, the, the vast majority of whom are men. But he says it's hard to know how big a factor that is because the government doesn't keep that on their employment status. Well, of course not. Once we cut you loose and mark you for life and uh, may give you that red scarlet letter called a felony conviction, hey, have fun. You're off on your own. Can't have a gun. You can't get a job. You can't vote. Hey, welcome to America, felon. Uh-huh. Oh, and thanks for paying your debt. Because that's what always happens when you pay your debt. You never get to pay it. You owe forever. Uh, EIA's Eberstadt says criminal records, uh, okay, da 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 Something on the order of one out of every eight adult men has got a felony conviction. Wow. So, folks, we don't only have a job problem. We have. A law enforcement problem. Because it's not a crime problem. When you got when you got jails filled of people who never hurt anybody, oh, except maybe themselves. You know, because the argument could be made, well, you know, if you're addicted to crack or cocaine or something like that, or meth, that's damaging, you know, you're hurting yourself. Well, okay. Is, is the government really our daddy now to where, oh, no, we can't let you hurt yourself. You know, if I want to hurt myself, I can. I'm not saying that's a good idea. I'm just saying, you know, who are you to tell me that I can't? Anyway, just more lies, folks. Now, here's something that they're doing that is just, and from what I read, that people in Florida are actually protesting this because, uh, let's see, the federal government's principal health agency keeps trying to turn the Zika virus into something it isn't, a major health crisis. At the same time, it wants to poison us with a chemical that is far worse than the disease it is meant to eradicate. Based on little more than an anecdotal evidence, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention would have us believe that the Zika virus, which medical scientists have been aware of for decades, actually since the 40s, causes a rare paralytic condition known as Guillain-Barre syndrome. Guillain-Barre syndrome is an uncommon sickness of the nervous system in which a person's own immune system damages the nerve cells, causing muscle weakness and sometimes paralysis. Several countries have experimented, uh, experienced Zika outbreaks recently, have reported increases in people who have Guillain-Barre syndrome, the agency said, adding that its own research suggests that Zika could lead to an increase in GBS, even though only a small portion of people stricken with the virus actually wind up with the syndrome. 
The agency further noted that its scientists don't really know how people contract GPS, and it's difficult to believe that they would be able to accurately associate it with Zika. More likely, however, it is that the instances of paralysis are being caused by the chemical-laced pesticides being sprayed to eradicate Zika-carrying mosquitoes. As we reported in August, one of those, NALED, an organophyte, is linked to some of the same health outcomes as symptoms as Zika. I'm telling you, folks, you know, they are spraying the people in mosquito land, wherever that is, with this poison, telling them, oh, we got to eradicate. You know, <laughs> these people, they told us dioxins were okay. They told us Agent Orange was okay. They told us DDT was okay. They told us all these chemicals were okay until they weren't. And they were proven to be absolutely, completely toxic. But it took 30 years and a lot of people dying and never being compensated for it. Although you really can't be compensated for being killed. And they're doing it again. Anyway, I got to go. Thanks for listening. And, uh, hey, Govern America is coming up next. If you missed it on Saturday, it's coming up next. And, uh, hey, if you want to catch it live so you can call in, talk to Darren Weeks and his guests, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific. Anyway, got to go. Thanks.
often more so, since a superstition is so intangible you cannot get at it to refute it. But truth is a point of view, and so is changeable. And this week's opening quote comes from Hypatia. Welcome to Surviving the Matrix, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Maxwell Egan. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, and I will be your host for the next hour. Truths certainly are interesting things, and so are superstitions. Both are very interesting things. And we live in a world of what must essentially be seen as distorted truths, and certainly a world that is rife with superstition. Just look at the war on terror, folks. That's pretty superstitious. Look at the rise of Islamophobia around the world. That's pretty superstitious as well. Not to mention religion itself. That is certainly one of the most superstitious things ever conceived and certainly has a lot to answer for when one looks at the state of the world. Most especially Western religion, folks. The Bible is a very interesting book indeed. I find it fascinating how so many people who can look at the conspiracies of the world and look at the massive secrets of the world, look at all the flaws of science, the lies of NASA, the false history that we've been fed, the incredible amount of secrets and corruption that we've been subject to over the past, and yet they can look at the Bible and they can seriously believe that this one book has managed to survive unsullied and uncorrupted and stands pure and pristine as the Word of God. That truly does amaze me, folks, that people cannot see the Bible as being such an integral part of the control grid, which is most certainly what it is. And I imagine I've offended just about everybody with that statement, but folks, it is part of the control grid. And not only is it an integral part of the control grid, but it has also provided the script for the big takeover that happens at the end and the big locking down of the police state that happens at the end. This, of course, is the revelation script that we are seeing played out by all of our governments now. And of course, while all this is going on, you have this whole tribe of self-styled evangelists out there screaming out for people to just wait and behave and bide their time, that everything's going to get worse, but it's going to get better because the Saviour is coming to save them and they don't actually need to do anything to stop the government because it's all part of the plan, because this will bring about the second coming. And of course, what these evangelists are doing is the government's work for them and they are simply playing into the script that has been designed to keep everybody waiting and biding their time and sitting down in a state of inaction in the erroneous belief that they are going to be saved by an external source. And as I said, folks, this is simply playing into the script and doing the government's work for them. And our governments, my God, look at what these people are doing. They are certainly ramping things up to the fullest of degrees as much as they can. Even here in Australia, we've got military exercises happening in Sydney, anti-terror exercises, of course. Oh, we've got to put people in the state of fear from the terrible terrorist boogeyman that we're wanting to create ourselves. And, of course, we have to get them used to seeing militarised police and soldiers everywhere because that is the future that we have planned for the people. This is, of course, what the politicians are thinking. This is, of course, their motivation. Our Prime Minister here is doing wonderful things, of course. He's saying that he's going to accept refugees from Syria now. 
Of course, he's a very balanced individual and he probably thinks it's a little unfair for Australia to be accepting refugees from Syria without having the opportunity to go into Syria and create some refugees to begin with. So while he's accepting refugees from Syria, he's also going and bombing Syria as well in the hope of keeping things in balance. That's the way this sociopathic little cretin that we call a Prime Minister just seems to operate, folks. He just likes rubbing shoulders with the big boys, especially if they're dropping bombs on people because it gives him a chance to use his new war planes and go and create a few Syrian refugees. I think it's pretty well open season on Syrian people at the moment, isn't it? France is thinking of going and bombing Syria as well. I believe, seeing as how everybody else is bombing Syria, they figure that, well, France may need a few refugees as well, so France will just go in and create a few. Of course, we're seeing all of Europe freaking out at the moment due to the massive influx of refugees from the Middle East, but they haven't really stopped to think that it's actually their governments that are going in there and creating the refugee crisis to begin with. I saw a post on YouTube, actually, of the Syrian boy who drowned, the child that everybody was so upset about. One child drowns, and they're all so upset about it. Now, of course, it is upsetting. This is a child that drowned, and this is a terrible thing, but it's one child, folks, and there's been over 5,000 people killed in Yemen in the last couple of months, and there's been far more than one child killed in Syria. And again, folks, this is one child that the media happened to get hold of. The uh, 500 or so Palestinian children who died last year didn't receive that sort of a treatment. But anyway, getting back to the Syrian child who drowned, somebody posted an article and said, oh, look, it was because of the parents wanted dental work in Europe. It's the parents who are to blame for the death of this Syrian child. Folks, it isn't the parents who are to blame for the death of the Syrian child. It's the Western governments spurned on by the rogue terrorist state of Israel that went into Syria and created all the instability in the country and turned the boy into a refugee who are to blame for the death of this Syrian child. So let's put things in perspective there as well, shall we? And what's Israel been up to lately? Well, it just did an incursion over the border into southern Gaza Strip with a tank and destroyed a whole bunch of Palestinian crops. There were at least five machines that went over there and, of course, the people had to flee because they were too scared they may get shot by the soldiers. Of course, if the Palestinians did that in Israeli land, it would be considered a terrorist attack but when the Israelis do it to Palestinian land, it's not called a terrorist attack. And it's the same with the fishermen, the attacks against the fishermen. Over 3,000 fishermen have suffered attacks by Israeli forces since the incursion into Gaza last year. And these are, of course, acts of terrorism that were carried out against the Palestinian fishermen by Israeli forces. But, of course, we can't call it terrorist, can we, because they were Israelis. The terrorists were the innocent fishermen that the soldiers were attacking. And how do we know they were terrorists? Well, of course, it's because they weren't Israelis. That's how we know they are terrorists. And it'll be the same with the refugees that are brought into Western countries, folks. But again, it's all due to this whole superstition of terrorism and this superstition of the war on terror. Of course, what they'll do with this, folks, is they'll bring all of these refugees into Western countries, and that gives them the excuse they need to stage terrorist attacks in all Western countries and blame it on the terrible ISIS members that somehow got smuggled in with the refugees. We'll know it was the refugees who carried out the terrorist attacks because they were Muslims. You can see this is all part of the grand plan, folks.
all part of the control mechanism and all part of the introduction of the global police state that the megalomaniacal cacistocracy that currently controls this earth are seeking to impose upon its hapless inhabitants. And they are certainly ramping things up at the moment. They are getting away with it for the most part because, as usual, people have their head distracted down a rabbit holes of inconsequence while the prison walls are being built around them. And it just seems to be happening everywhere, folks. It really does. These people just don't let up in their sociopathy. Just the other day in England, we had the child-killing psychopath Benjamin Netanyahu warmly welcomed into England, even after there was a petition containing something like 120,000 or 180,000 signatures calling for the arrest of this war criminal. David Cameron welcomed him into the fold with open arms, saying at the same time, basically, that Assad must go from Syria. Well, folks, it isn't really Assad that should go because by David Cameron welcoming a war criminal and psychopath and genocidal maniac who has just committed the most horrendous war crimes against the children that he holds in collective punishment in the Gaza Strip, by welcoming this criminal into his arms, David Cameron has shown himself to be a brutally cold-hearted psychopath who cavorts with war criminals and supports genocide, ethnic cleansing, terrorism, collective punishment, and the use of banned weapons and attacks against children and all the stuff that Israel does. David Cameron has shown his true colours. He has shown that he supports this type of activity. So really, it's David Cameron who should go. And where he should go is directly to The Hague, where he should be tried and he should be hung, because that is what this little warmongering cretin deserves. I suppose if we wanted to do it properly, we could also take Barack Obama there and try and hang him, and we could take Tony Abbott there and we could try and hang him as well. And we may as well take the French president as well. I think the German chancellor would also be a good one to include. Not to mention the Bush family, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, Condoleezza Rice at all. Let's just round up this cacistocracy that is destroying this world and killing all these people and take them all to The Hague for trial, shall we? I mean, let's pretend that the legal system works and actually put it to good use for once rather than allowing the cacistocracy to simply eliminate the competition. Because, of course, that's all the international legal system seems to be used for at the moment, folks, simply eliminating the competition that the cacistocracy has. But really, folks, we need to... Get this cacistocracy out of power. These criminals that are running our world, we need to get them out of power. We need to do something with them. And I call them criminals because they are. David Cameron is a criminal. He's an out-and-out criminal. Same as Tony Abbott. Same as Barack Obama. Same as any politician who is supporting the fake war on terror. I mean, let's look at what this legal system is, folks. The legal system is there. The criminal legal system is there to prevent people from being subject to harm. That's what it's for. I mean, you've got a legislative system, but you've also got a criminal legal system, which deals with people who have been harmed by other people. Well, let's look at the government, folks. Government causes harm. That's all it does, is it causes harm both to people and to our environment. And when harm is caused, it is a criminal offence. Therefore, governments are criminal because governments cause harm. Therefore, these are criminal organizations populated by criminals who are going out of their way to cause harm. That is all governments do. If you look at any problem we have on this planet, 
it is a result of legislation that's been put in place by government. You look at every war on this planet, it has been started by government. You look at every person in a state of hardship on this planet, if they're in a state of financial hardship, if they're in a state of homelessness, if they're in a state of incarceration, then they have been harmed by government because government is criminal. It is a criminal institution populated by criminals and psychopaths who do nothing but cause harm. Therefore, government needs to be subject to its own criminal law because by its action of causing harm, government is by definition a criminal organization. Government is criminal. Let me not bandy any words in saying that because it is true. Tony Abbott, you are a criminal because you are a liar who is causing harm. That is what you do every day. That is what David Cameron does. That is what Barack Obama does. That is what these people do. They are the scum of the earth. They are criminals. They need to be removed from office. They need to be taken to the Hague and they need to stand trial for the harm that they have caused. I mean, look at the state of the Middle East, folks. Look what we've done to these people. And if you really want to understand what's going on in the Middle East, folks, you need to go and read a paper called A Strategy for Israel in the 1980s by a man called Oded Yinan. You'll find a link to it on my website, thecrowhouse.com. If you scroll down the homepage, you will find a link to Oded Yinan's paper, which outlines the Greater Israel Project. And if you want to look at what is going on in the Middle East today, it is absolutely perfectly outlined in this paper describing the Greater Israel Project. They plan to go in, destabilize every country, destroy the leadership, decimate the people, just leave them scattered and then drive them out. And that's exactly what they are doing right now in every country in the Middle East. And when you look at where they are doing it, it is all perfectly outlined by the Greater Israel Project. ISIS is an Israeli Western-run operation from the ground up, fully funded, has been from day one. It is designed to destabilize the Middle East and blame it on the Muslims when the real culprit is the warmongering terrorist criminal Benjamin Netanyahu and his psychopathic terrorist government that currently populates the rogue terrorist state of Israel. That is where all the instability in the Middle East is coming from, and it is provable. The only reason that people don't know it is because of the barefaced liars and propagandists that populate the insidious organization of lies and disinformation we know as the mainstream media. These people who have sold the lie to the world and who have the blood of millions upon their hands are why people don't understand what is going on, because they are simply not given truthful information by their trusted sources, i.e. the mainstream media. I mean, ISIS is so obviously Western-run that it boggles the mind that normal people can't see it, even without the media telling them what's going on. I mean, it's just so obvious that this is all being run by Israel and it's all being funded by the West. It is just so painfully obvious that I simply don't know why people can't see it. And you can see where all this is going, folks. This incredible refugee crisis they've created, which is wholly manufactured, designed to destabilize Europe. Like I said earlier, they will bring all of these refugees into all these Western countries and they'll stage terror attacks and they'll blame it on the refugees. And this will also demonstrate what happens when we show humanitarianism to people. When we're humanitarian, when we attempt to help people, look what they do. They come in and they bomb our country, so we just can't help any people anymore. We're just going to have to go in and bomb all these countries and just leave the people to their own devices because we can't trust them to help them. 
So you can see how all this is being set up, folks. This removes the government of any accountability. It removes the government of any need to offer humanitarian aid. In fact, it makes humanitarianism dangerous what presents it as being dangerous. It gives the government the ability to stage terror attacks in their own countries and lock their own citizens down and basically ban humanitarianism at the same time. It gives them the ability to introduce the smart grid and lock all of our civilizations down. And this whole thing is a setup. The whole thing is being staged by the cacistocracy that currently runs our governments. And the only way we're going to deal with this, folks, is by a united, coordinated response by the people. And this is what I'm attempting to do with Full Circle Project. Of course, this sort of response is being undermined by the government themselves. The government has interjected all of these random conspiracy theories into the movement at the moment, such as the Flat Earth debate, which is a huge psyop. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's a huge psyop. All these Flat Earth people are doing is debating an issue that's been debated since the dawn of time, and we still haven't got a satisfactory answer for. As far as I'm concerned, folks, I'm on the fence. I don't believe the Earth is a ball. I don't believe the Earth is flat. I don't believe it's hollow. I don't believe it's a hologram. I don't believe anything. I'm still on the fence because I have not so far been presented with anything that would satisfactorily prove anything. Not that it matters, because it doesn't matter what the playing field is. It matters about the condition of the playing field, which is currently one of slavery. But the Flat Earth Movement has been very, very beneficial for the government in undermining any response to this system. It has completely divided the alternative community and the truth movement. It has caused a massive amount of infighting. And that is the problem with the Flat Earthers, is that they are completely intolerant and they are divisionist. I actually saw a post on YouTube the other day where one guy said, Flat Earth is winning. Flat Earth is winning, the globalists are running for cover or some sort of thing. This guy literally believes that he, as a Flat Earther, is engaged in a battle with the globe Earthers in proving that the Earth is flat. This is what this guy is dedicating his time to now. He's not engaged in a battle with the elite. He's not worried about the police state. He's not worried about all the people being slaughtered. He's not engaged in any sort of activity or animosity or battle with the controlling hand. He's battling those members of the alternate media who believe the prison is a different shape than him. That's what the Flat Earth Movement has done, folks. It has created a huge wedge, and it has effectively divided the truth community and stultified any response to the control grid. And while this whole Flat Earth debate has been raging, the wars and the police state have been ramping themselves up unbelievably fast because everybody is distracted with the infighting. Everybody is fighting amongst themselves over an issue of no consequence that has never been satisfactorily answered by anybody. And they're actually claiming that they know the truth. And folks, anybody who claims they know the truth is an idiot and is lying to you because nobody really knows anything, folks. All we can really be an authority on is the vessel that we inhabit. I mean, that's all I'm an authority on, folks. I'm an authority on the vessel that I inhabit. And the consciousness that inhabits that vessel, well, I'm still figuring that part out. But all of these sorts of things have served to divide the truth community. And we should have known they were going to do it, folks. We should have known they were going to play the Flat Earth card. I mean, there is even a Flat Earth card in the Illuminati card deck. So it isn't like they didn't have this move planned or anything. We should have seen it coming. And it could have backfired on them had the Flat Earth community shown a little respect to people, but there are agents in the Flat Earth community who, as soon as you disagree with them, they will label you as a shill, 
they'll label you as a disinformationist and they will seek to divide the community. Even people have posted articles about me calling me a shill for the ball earth because they assume that if I don't believe in the flat earth, then I instantly believe in the ball earth. Not that they know what I believe because I don't believe in the ball earth. I don't believe anything. I don't believe in belief, folks. So it just goes to show the conclusions that these people are willing to jump to and the labels they are willing to put on anybody who won't jump down the rabbit hole with them and of course anybody who does jump down the rabbit hole ends up locked into a world of division and argument and their focus is completely drawn away from the control grid which is what is allowing the control grid to be ramped up and the prison to be constructed so quickly. The flatter the bay which is raised across the internet and come to prominence so quickly is truly the master stroke of the elite and it has been brilliantly executed and very, very well played. It's also been a huge money spinner for some of the main agents as well in the selling of books, etc. that are claiming this theory to be fact. Will it continue to divide the truth community and will it allow the police state to be built? Well, that is one thing that we have yet to see. My hope is that there will be some respect developed from the people and that people will start some rational dialogue and perhaps end the disinformation and hate campaign they have against anybody who doesn't jump down the rabbit hole and that they will turn their focus on the control grid and establish the freedom that we need to find out if the earth is flat. That is my hope for these people. But otherwise, they are absolutely doing the government's work for them and it's a great shame that they cannot see how they are being played. And that's the thing, folks. It isn't the fact that there's anything wrong with flat earth research what's wrong is the divisionist mentality and the divisionist mindset of those people who are indulging in flat earth research because what these people are doing is completely closing any dialogue labeling anybody who won't jump down the rabbit hole with them as an idiot and effectively doing the government's work for them. That's the thing, folks. It isn't that the research is invalid. It's the mentality that comes with the research which is invalid because it is a program that people have been tricked into running by the main agents that have brought this PSYOP to prominence. And it is a PSYOP, folks. Whether it's true or not, it's a PSYOP because a PSYOP is a psychological operation and that is exactly what this research is about. It isn't about discovering whether the Earth is flat. It's about dividing, shattering and scattering the alternate media and effectively stultifying any response to the control grid which is being rolled out. That's what this research is for. And that is why it has come to prominence so quickly. That is why it is being promoted by YouTube. And they're even mentioning it on television and all sorts of stuff. People are actually talking about it because they're promoting it. This is why Barack Obama said, I'll talk to anybody but the flat earthers, because he wanted people to jump down the rabbit hole. This is why the Illuminati playing card says people think they're crazy, but the flat earthers know something because it inspires people to jump down the rabbit hole and it inspires division. It's been a brilliantly played PSYOP, but it is most definitely a PSYOP. And if only the Flat Earth people could engage in rational dialogue with people who are debating the point with them and actually turn to address the controlling hand that created the mystery to begin with, then they would be able to solve the mystery. But until someone goes out into space or goes to the South Pole and walks to the other side, Anybody who claims they know anything is lying. And that's a simple fact, folks.
The only thing people should really be confident of knowing is how much they don't know. And it's truly a shame to have to waste airtime dealing with a psyop like this, but I think it's necessary, folks, because it has created a huge amount of division, but there is still hope that we can reunite the alternate media to a common focus. And as I said, that focus should be the problem that's created the mystery to begin with. You see, that's the thing, folks. All of these things exist because we have secrets held from us. Now, we don't know what's going on. We have no idea what's going on on this planet. I don't really think we do at all. You know, anything is possible. I don't rule out anything, but I don't believe anything either. And if someone tells me that they know something and that anybody who disagrees with them is a shill, then I know that I'm either speaking to a government agent or someone who has been programmed by a government agent. Because nobody knows anything, folks. They really don't. There was a great speech, actually, by Terence McKenna once where he, he went through this whole thing, how nobody knows what's going on, and it's true. We're still figuring our way through this, folks. But what we need more than anything is unity. And if there is a movement out there which is creating disunity, then you can be guaranteed that this movement is run by government and that the main players have been probably financed by government. Because right now, more than ever, we need unity, folks, because we have a real opportunity to call this whole system out and call these criminals out for what they are. We've got everything we've ever needed to rein this system back under Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.